Friday, January the 19th, 2024. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A lot of ground to cover today with the NFL Divisional Round Game Previews with Eric. Eight teams remain in the NFL. We'll preview all four of the games, two Saturday games, two Sunday games. Then we move into Friday, best bets for Santa Anita. I have three best bets on the Santa Anita Friday card. Then the focus this weekend will be Fairgrounds. It is the LeCompte. They also have five uh, and all stakes pick five with five stakes races to close out the card. I think they have six overall on the card. Barry Spears joins me to dive into the Fairgrounds Saturday stakes races, races nine through 13. Then I will preview the Coast to Coast pick five. I'm going to talk about the uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th from Gulfstream and races five and six from Santa Anita. And we finish up with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, talking everything in the world of pro wrestling, WWE, Raw, SmackDown, AEW, and NXT as we get closer and closer to the Royal Rumble on this episode. That's what G said. That is presented by Full Service Realtor Cindy Carava. The website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Now, that means she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of lenders if you need help with the, the loan process. Maybe you need help with the home improvement process. She knows the right type of vendors that she's worked with, that she has experience with. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. CindyCarava.com. Also, for a lot of you horse players out there, there is a huge tournament coming up on January the 27th. It is the Pegasus World Cup Betting Championship. So this thing has over $250,000 in estimated prizes. It is a $6,000 buy-in. So it's a lot of money to buy into this contest. Or you can win your way in by qualifying in other tournaments. And then you win a seat. So just a week out, you still have a few opportunities to qualify. So here's what here's how it works. You can get and buy a $1,000 low ratio qualifier. And if you if you finish in the top in that one, that will get you into the Pegasus World Cup betting championship if you don't want to spend the $6,000 just to buy into that tournament. Or you can go for $80 and get into one of the $80 feeders. There's one of them on Friday the 19th of January. And then next week, there are a few more of the $80 feeders from Gulfstream Park where you could for $80, qualify into a $1,000 tournament. And then from there, you can qualify into the big $6,000 buy-in, the big Pegasus World Cup betting championship. All of the details, all the information, expressbet.com. And right off the top, it'll tell you contest. Click on that and you get all the specifics. So I'll be reminding you coming up from now on, all the big contests at Santa Anita, feeders into other big contests, huge money on the line on Pegasus Day next week. We'll preview all those races here on That's What G Said. So a lot of money up for grabs. If you're a contest player, head over to expressbet.com. And then there were eight. We are down to the elite eight of the NFL here. We have four teams left in the NFC, four left in the NFC. I am Gino Bocola alongside Eric from ETOF 2-1 Sports here to get you all set for this weekend's four divisional round games. I was listening to someone. They really got to change the name of these rounds now that they've added because it doesn't really make sense being the divisional round anymore because you have all these multiple wild cards. It's 
sort of sounds weird. It should just be like the conference semifinal, right? Yeah, and then, I mean, it's like, so, it's so dated. The, yeah, the, the way that it is so just from years and years ago. But let's get some overall thoughts heading into this week, Eric. In this uh, round, in this round, home teams 29 and 11 straight up last 10 years. So this is uh, normally when the home teams feast. Let's go. Last week, five out of six games were decided by double digits. So we had some intriguing results, but not necessarily the best games. After the Texans game, there wasn't a lead change in any game. No game had a lead change. Every other game, whoever was in the lead early, just coasted. Uh, Two teams scored at least 45 points, which hasn't happened twice in a single playoff round since 2009. And of our quarterbacks left, there's eight of them. All of them are under 30, which is nuts. And there's seven first-round draft picks and Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. It just shows you how you have to build a roster. If you want to be around, you ha- you need one of these guys that's a, yeah, a good qu- quarterback, right? Purdy, Love, Goff, Baker. Those are the four NFC quarterbacks. So one of those guys is going to the Super Bowl. Either Purdy, Love, Goff, or Baker. Which how is about, right when you think about it. Um, and then one more thing, and then I'll, I'll hand it off to you for a few notes. After week 13, Dolphins were 9-3. and three, Eagles were 10-2. and two, Cowboys are nine and three, all eliminated right now. Didn't even, none of those teams made it through one playoff game. And Tampa at one point this year was four and seven. The Bills were six and six. The Packers were three and six. All three of those teams moving on to the second round. So we saw a lot of parody this year in the NFL. Yeah. Um, things that took out stood out for me. Um, CJ's legit. It's going to be interesting to see how what, what how he looks like when there's a year of film on him and if slow slowick gets a gets a job someplace else how he looks we saw what happened in Philadelphia to me in Philadelphia um Shane Starkin the coach of the Colts he's the real deal I mean you look at Hurts when he left Hurts regressed when you when you look at Herbert he left Herbert regressed so in terms of like fantasy, and this guy made prop, this guy won nine games with Minshew this year as a starter. In terms of like fantasy and maybe like some props, little intrigued by Anthony Richardson next year. Little bit, little bit intrigued with what I'm seeing there. Obviously, when he was a great fantasy quarterback for when he played, the the concern with him will just always be injury, right? From can he stay on the field? But from a value standpoint, when he's out there. He was he was already way ahead of schedule where I thought he was going to be in just his first few games that he played this year. Yeah, I mean he he looked good, but get that other year, it's going to be a solid ass, just solid next year. I think him in terms of fantasy, something I'm really intrigued in. Obviously, Kelsey retiring, uh, Eagles, they're going to have to make some changes. They definitely, I don't know what happened, but there's definitely some sort of locker room tiff because that team in my eyes quit in that second half as soon as stuff got rough. Need to revamp the secondary. In my eyes, just when you talk it out loud, the if you're going to make a cho- coaching change, in my eyes, it's Belichick or nothing because Belichick is known for what? DBs and linebackers. And that's where the 49ers we now the Eagles' weakness is. Middle of middle of the gonna make, if you're gonna make a change, that's where it needs to be. Hurts, and that seems um, like the kind of team for him to where they're a lot of veterans to where 
you need to sh- uh, sure up the locker room more than a project, right? He's not going to start over at his age right now, go draft a young quarterback with a bunch of young guys on a really, really bad team. He wants a team that's not too far away, and he can be the, the guy that pushes them over the hump. He wants to break Shula's record. Let's not yeah. And I'm oh, sorry about that. I accidentally hit mute. Um, he wants to break Shula's record. Let's not get it twisted. And if he's going to go somewhere, that's going to be the best thing. But, but the reason, the thing, key thing with him is he's got to have his offensive coordinator on point. He can't go there with Bill O'Brien. He needs someone who can put together an offense around a mobile quarterback. They weren't rushing DeAndre Swift enough. Maybe bring in Greg Roman. I think that would be a good fit with what they have going on there. Um Cowboys, I know that McCarthy is getting a lot of flack, but everyone's hyping up Dan Quinn, saying they're going to go after him, saying they're going to be, they want him as a coach, going to be the new coach of Seattle. He didn't change anything. There was no schematic changes. No adjustments whatsoever. And and for Green Bay, Green Bay was like, hey, you're not going to make any adjustments. We're just going to keep doing the same thing. They didn't make any adjustments. They didn't have to. And I mean, that was just insane to me how everyone's hyping Quinn up. And then you see that performance. The Lions game, look, it was weird. I'm not, I don't know. I got so many text messages, so many like love on social media. You you tweeted at me. I I didn't know what to do. I probably paced around 15,000 steps during that. I was gonna game. say, what was that feeling like for um, you? Huh? Like I got a text message from some guy I haven't talked to since April of 2021. That's funny. Um I am worried about the second half though. Uh, they started blitzing off a lot more. The Lions offense really did struggle. I will give Campbell credit. Uh, he won because he kicked field goals. Historically, he's always been go for it, but there were some critical times he could have gone for it, but he took the three points. Which it was, I, he, I he was, he outcoached McVay in that game. That's why you won. McVay did the opposite, right? McVay had a couple of decisions. He, uh, he didn't try to at the end of the half. He didn't even let Stafford go for it when he was cooking. You got to have an opportunity. You got to give him an opportunity. To, to take a, sh- a chance there when you have plenty of time on the clock and then messing up with the timeouts late in the game. Uh, Detroit was three for three in the red zone. And I think the Rams were zero for three. And, you know, even late when Detroit gets the ball back, you guys were aggressive enough to, to say, Hey, look, we don't want to kick the ball back to them. Let's get a good play. Let's make it. We're not going to go deep down the field, but let's, let's pick up this first down and win the game. I, I thought everything he did was, was pretty smart in that game. And, I, my only concern for you guys moving forward, that was such an emotional, just like, just like what you're saying. That was like 30 years of emotion. And then you throw the Stafford stuff into it. And the fact that it was such a tight game, can you get up again the next week? Now, since it's the playoffs, I think you will. But that's one thing that worries me a little bit. Do you maybe start the game a little flat or come out just a little? Because there was so much that poured into that game last week. But I mean, the one thing is this. The Bucks defense on the back end is so weak. Beatable. Throwing the ball. I don't think it's going to be that big of an issue. And, and the way that Dan Campbell is. That's why you have a guy like that. He's not going to come into this game and let anybody be sleepwalking through your preparation all week long. He Everybody's going to be up. And I, I don't think it's going to be that way. But I, it is worth mentioning because that was such an emotional few hours for all of the Lions fans. Oh, God. And I thought Stafford was going to get the ball back. It was a little weird. I was a little, I struck me as odd that there was no more, there wasn't more, more throws. 
to Cooper Cup. Um, it kind of did show that the Rams do need to add another running back to peace with Kyron Williams. I know he had a good fantasy season. He got a little banged up. He's a little small. You need that bruiser back. Um, I don't even know who I could compare. Like a Mark Ingram type of a guy. I don't even yeah, know. Just someone to take some hits. Just someone that's built a little different than him. A, Jero- a Jamal Williams. A Jamal yeah. Williams would be perfect there. Exactly. Um, the Bills and Chiefs game, my comment is this. For those who don't know, when the ground is that cold, it's like you're being tackled on concrete. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how bruised these guys are going into Sunday. Uh, we saw the Bills, especially the Bills, start to get a little, ground, a little rough toward the end. That's when the Steelers made their run. But anytime their offense needed to make a drive, they were able to make a drive, scored some points. Chiefs offense just isn't right. I know that was an impressive win, but there never was a time where Miami felt like they were in control. And I think if Miami on Miami's kind of stuck right now, they got two a one more year, $23 million cap hit. You're kind of going to have to sign them for $40 million a year. What else are you going to do? Cause well, I know lose Armstead lose Phillips um, probably lose Jalen Waddle. And now if they underachieve, there's probably going to be a serious discussion. Is Mike McDaniel, is he just an offensive coordinator? The thing that stood out to me is they just don't have any toughness. That team is, an, I don't mean this to disrespect, every team that has won a title has had a couple guys that were tough, and were leaders and that would push people to get to that other level. I don't see McDaniel being that guy. I don't see Tua being that guy. I don't see Tyreek Hill being that guy. And Tyreek Hill's been banged up and he's getting 30. And that's when wide receivers tend to drop. I don't know. I think the Dolphins could be a team that regresses a little bit next year. Chiefs and Bills is going to be an entertaining matchup. Um, is that it? Did I, did I miss anybody? No, I think we I think we got a little recap and we'll hit on most of these teams while we're previewing these other games as well. As we get set for Saturday, first of two Saturday games, we have the Texans at the Ravens. These two teams actually played opening week of the season, but keep in mind, that's Stroud, rookie quarterback, making his first start. Uh, so tough to really take a lot out of that game. Honestly, it was 7-6 to six in the third quarter, and then it ended up 25-9. Both yep. teams are just a lot different, though, than they were then. How about the Texans, the fourth team in history to win a playoff game with a rookie head coach and a rookie starting quarterback? We told you last week they were the first team ever to win a division with a rookie head coach and a rookie starting quarterback. They played 10 games this year against teams that finished with the winning record, and the Texans went 7-3 and in those games. Stroud averaged over 300 yards passing, 21 touchdowns, two interceptions in those 10 games against the better opponents. So he has stepped up in the biggest games. The Texans have never made it to a conference championship. They've never won a road playoff game. But we got to give Stroud some love, man. You mentioned he's the guy over his last four games. Third overall in QBR, only behind Lamar Jackson and Jordan Love. He had the most EPA per dropback by a rookie quarterback in a playoff game in the next-gen stats era. He was 7 of 8 under pressure for 118 yards and no sacks. He was the youngest quarterback to win a playoff game. He's just 22 years old and the highest drafted rookie quarterback ever to win a playoff game immediately after they were drafted. Um, Since returning from concussions, his last three games, 
76% completion percentage, six touchdowns, no interceptions, and a passer rating of 130.3, 9.5 yards per attempt. So basically a first down every time he throws the ball. And those are in games that he had to win. They, all the last three games. Just incredible what this guy's doing. And shout out to Collins. The six games that he has played with Stroud without Tank Dell, six catches, 91 yards, nine catches, 95, uh, 195 yards, seven for 80, nine for 119, seven for 104, and four for 80. He has at least 80 yards in all six games that he's played with Stroud without Tank Dell. So he just gets all the focus there. And you mentioned Bobby Slowick, man. This guy's 36 years old. He's getting a lot of buzz. He helped eliminate the pass rush. That was something in watching that if you back the Texans this week or if you do like them, you would probably be a little bit pleased with how you saw Slowick using double teams, running screens, reverses, naked bootlegs, shovel passes, stuff to distract Garrett. They had four different pass catchers with a reception that was 25 yards or more. And the 45 points was the most they've scored in any game since 2014. Their largest margin of victory in a playoff game. Singletary, third most rushing yards in the league since week nine. And they just got contributions from all of their young studs. Anderson had seven pressures in a sack. The secondary smothered Cooper and the receivers. Stingley Jr. lined up from Cooper 35 out of 42 routes. He allowed one reception. And he just dominated Cooper after Cooper dominated them just a few weeks ago. Here's a list of the players and picks acquired for Deshaun Watson. Will Anderson, who's a tight end. Tank Dell, a wide receiver. Kenyon Green, a guard. Hayes, a linebacker. Pierce, a running back. John Mechie Jr., wide receiver. Booker, a D-end. Hill, a safety. Hutchinson, a wide receiver. And this year, they have a first and a third round pick still all for Watson, who wasn't even average. Amazing. Amazing. Um, in terms of this game, um, looking at everything, I ended up on the Texans here. I got him at plus nine and a half. I'm probably going to sprinkle a little bit on that money line. Home favorites in the divisional round against the number are 42.1%. Home teams in the divisional round that lost the final week of the season, 16.7%. Home teams in the divisional round that are home, no, that are home favorites. That sorry, that was just divisional round home teams that lost the last week of the season, sixteen point seven. Home teams in the division round that are home favorites, losing their last game, eleven point eight percent ATS. Home teams in the divisional round laying seven or more points, thirty five point three percent ATS. Home teams laying. 10 or more. Obviously, this is I was hoping it was to get to 10. I don't think it's going to get to 10. 33%. Jackson laying three and a half or more, 41%. Laying seven and a half or more, 42%. One seeds in the divisional round, 38%. So we have all these trends that say to back the Texans. Stroud, six and two in the playoffs. He became the first quarterback ever who's a rookie to beat the number one defense in the playoffs. Ravens, look. The key with the Ravens, I know everyone's trying to make Lamar a thing like he can run, like he's a, a improved passer. I don't see it with him. I still see him struggle to throw the outside, struggle to, to um, throw it deep. If you can stop the Ravens' rushing attack, which I think Houston's going to be able to do because they're number two DVOA, you force Jackson to make some throws, and he is showing that he can't make those throws 
to the outside. Also, we don't really know that the status of Andrews. If Andrews comes back, because he did practice today, how is that going to disrupt the flow? I actually don't like it if he does, it honestly. Disrupt. I think will they were doing well with likely, right? Will it disrupt it? Will it dis- dis- disturb it? I, d- I don't know. Um, we've seen, though, that when players t- come back, it takes a little time for them to get going and how much he's up to game speed. This is Stroud's production against teams top 10 DVOA throwing the ball. Ravens, 28 for 44, 242 yards, no TDs, no interceptions. Steelers, 16 for 30, 306, two tutties, no INTs. Jags, 20 for 30, 280, two TDs. Jags, again, 26 for 36, 304, two TDs. There was that game against the Jets, but that game was when it was freezing rain and it was cold as hell. And that was the game he struggled, 10 of 23, 91 yards. But I'm, and, but you have that to me, that was more of a weather issue because the Jets didn't throw the ball. And that was a spot, right? We played them. It was a really good spot for the Jets that week, too, because the Texans were coming off of like a real big win the week before, too. It was just, it was, it was one of those games where it was almost like a scheduled L with the way it all. And, and then the Browns last week, 16 for 21, 274, three TDs. So, Let's take the Jets game out just because I'm going to count that up to being a weather issue. 106 for 161, 281 yards per game, no interceptions, and what is this, nine touchdowns. Those are pretty good numbers. I think Stroud's going to be have some success. Just with the trends, I, you got to take the Texans here plus the nine and a half. I mean, and at the very least with this big number, and we'll talk about the next game too, with, with these bigger numbers – and these quarterbacks that take shots down the field, these young guys, like you're at least ripe for a back door. You can at least be in the game where you're down 15 or 16 points and you can get a late garbage time score to cover the game. But I actually think this game and the game we're going to talk about next, that that these teams do have a shot to stay competitive. You you pointed out, you, you always have to look at the certain matchups now when we get to this point. Can, can there be places where they succeed? Houston has the number one defensive success rate against the run. I mean, they were the best team defending the run. If if there's anyone that can slow them down a little bit and just make life a little more difficult for Baltimore, it would be this Texans defense. You also, it's a small thing, having a defensive head coach like Ryan's, he's no doubt all week now, he's game planning in his head. Okay, how do I stop Lamar? What am I going to do to Lamar? I like having a guy like that when you play against Lamar and that type of a team because he is going to be singularly focused on that. And then you've got Slowick who can take care of all the offensive stuff, you know, and he's done a really fantastic job with that. So, and now this Ravens team is a totally different team than the team two years ago or four years ago or some of those teams that didn't do well in the playoffs. Remember, Lamar is just one in three, and they've only averaged 13 points per game. So I'm not saying this is the same group of guys, but we we just saw this happen with Dallas, Eric. You know, all of a sudden, if you have a, a slightly slow start because you, you've not played in a few weeks, and maybe you're just a little, you're not quite as sharp, and maybe Houston scores, and all of a sudden you're down seven or you're down like 10 to three, and then that stuff starts to seep into your head a little bit, right? Like with the Cowboys, we saw it. When they were down 14, their entire stadium gave up. They thought they were done right away. And, yeah, but people were you fighting fans. I mean, it was it was a cluster. You start to wonder. So with this team, I mean, 
Shout out to the Ravens. They were awesome this year. They finished with the highest point margin in the league. They won six of their last seven. They led the league in sacks. The defense was sixth in EPA per play among all teams in the past 10 years. That's how good their defense was. Second best in the league in the red zone. Tied for a league best, 4.6 yards per play allowed. Top 10 defending on third down. I'm not knocking them as a team at all. I think this number is a little bit big. We have a few reasons to think that Texans can maybe have some success in this spot or in this situation. We're both on the Texans at plus the nine and a half. Let's move along, Eric. Game two. Man, Jordan Love coming off a fantastic game uh, where they beat up the Dallas Cowboys. Your Green Bay Packers are a nine and a half point underdog. So same line right around in these first two games where you have the number one seeds coming off a bye, facing a team led by a young quarterback, and they're both about a 10-point spread. For the Packers, Jordan Love, second in QBR since week 10. He has 21 touchdowns and one interception. So if you just watched last week or you haven't been paying attention to the Packers a whole lot and you saw that game and you're worried that Love cannot sustain that, let me tell you, they could get beat by 40 in this game. And maybe Love has a bad game, but he has played like a top-tier quarterback now for a large sample size. This isn't like a fluky game he had last week. He's legitimately been really, really good now for a long stretch of time. And in the last nine games, they're they're seven and two. Very, very important. His passer rating last week was the highest in a road playoff game in the Super Bowl era. Number one graded quarterback of the wild card round. He had the highest added EPA per dropback of anyone. And it was the sixth most in a game since 2016. This was the most efficient game for any quarterback this year based on EPA per pass play last week in the playoffs. He completed all four passes under pressure for 114 yards and a touchdown. My guy Dobbs he had a good game, man. He had all six catches. Uh, he caught all of his targets Six catches, five of them went for 15 uh, yards or more, which was tied for the most in the wild card round. 151 yards on just 16 routes run. And then Jones. See, when you have the running game here, this year where they struggled, it was when Jones was hurt for a lot of the year. And they couldn't run the ball at all because Dylan wasn't much. And then teams could really defend them, make it tough on Jordan Love. When you have Jones running this well, he had four runs of 10 or more yards. 43% of his carries were converted into a first down or a touchdown. That was the highest rate among qualifying running backs last week. He's now hit 110 yards each of the last four games after nobody hit 100 yards for the Packers the first 14 weeks. Last week, they scored on drives of three, five, eight, and 10 plays. Quick strikes, long drives. They scored touchdowns on six of their first seven drives of the game. Unbelievable. Now, for someone who likes Green Bay overall as a team and did back them this week, it does scare me that a, every, a lot of their things went so efficiently. But I'm kind of looking at this game very similar to how we talked about the, the first one. And I'll get into some, some things here and there that there are spots where Green Bay can hit San Francisco. And San Francisco is better than Dallas, no doubt. And this is a very, very good football team. But the one thing I look at with San Francisco, you know, their defense, they were not fantastic defending the run. That's one thing where they really struggled. And honestly, their defense overall, you know, their defensive success rate, they were number 16. You know, the, the, the Lions were graded as a better def- defense than the 49ers were this year. I think because their offense is so good, 
we we still think of them as this really, really incredibly dominant defense. They weren't quite that way this year. But man, this this 49ers team is a very, very good football team, Eric. And uh, I mean, I wanted to give them as a team a lot of love. They're ranked number one in EPA per play, success rate on offense, dropback EPA, dropback success rate, rushing EPA, rushing success rate. Literally every on the website that we look at for the EPA metrics, every offensive category, they're number one. It's pretty phenomenal. I mean, that's pretty impressive. (laughs) Um, Because normally you don't see it with running and passing, right? You'll have the teams that are really good passing and then a few other teams that are really good running. But this team, Shanahan, they're they're just really good. They're a really good football team. Um. So in terms of this game, all the trends, I'm not going to repeat them about the one seed in this matchup, play true. We need to remember LaFleur, 21 and 10, 68% ATS as a dog, which is absolutely insane. When looking at this matchup, this is what I think. The DB, I still question the secondary. I know DVOA has them high, but I still have questions about the secondary. Oh, me too. With the 49ers. And one thing that I don't think gets, I think it's lost in the shuffle is how good this Packers coaching staff is. I made this comment a couple of weeks ago. It was after that game against the Chiefs where I mentioned how Love is starting to throw more balls off his back foot and how he's going to get caught. And then I was talking to one of my friends who is a scout. And the thing he said to me was he thinks that is a coaching thing from the Packers because Love was so quick to throw the ball and getting and throwing it too fast and getting it out of his pocket too out of his hand too fast. It's almost like you're in your baseball players like sitting on their back foot when they swing, right? Like taping your back foot down, you know, to make sure you don't lift it. Yeah. So I and and looking at it, that's all he throws now. Everything's off his back foot. So I really think LaFleur and that coaching staff, you know, I hate to use the term got in the lab, but got in the lab and kind of changed everything with love. And it's been working out because you wouldn't want to go teach that, Eric, to kids to throw that way. But for them, they've got a guy and they're able to mold what they see him in practice. They've seen him for years now. Right. This isn't even his first year. They've seen what this guy does day in, day out for years. And they've tweaked a few things because you are right. He was still up and down through like the first 10 weeks of the year, he'd have these good games and bad games or a good quarter and then a bad quarter. And then it just flipped. It really flipped around week 10 or week 11 to where this guy's not, he had the one a couple bad quarters against the Giants, but even in the games they lost, he played really well. He has been sharp, not making mistakes. And I like the things that you talk about. His guys like him. You hear stories, they joke with him, they make shirts. He's he's like a corny guy. He's not a bad dude at all. He he it was so stupid. He calls being tickled, being like you're, it's like he's got a name for it. And the the guys were all laughing at him, and they all wore T-shirts about it on the plane, and they were joking. Like there's this great energy around this team right now, and you you almost wonder if I if it's a lot of it was Rogers being removed because he's in a much older and whether you like or agree with the stuff that he's said the last couple of years, his, the perception of him has changed, but more, more than anything, he's, he's like a generation older than these guys. This is a young team. He may just not have been connecting with them. And Jordan love is man. And 
Uh, they were up 48 to 16 at one point. And for all of the concerns I have about their defense, it's very valid. They could have a, a miserable time trying to stop San Francisco. If the 49ers are on and humming, Green Bay's not going to be able to do a whole lot to stop them. But keep in mind, they this is a defense that has some holes, but they have talent. There's a lot of first-round and high-level blue-chip prospect talent on this team. So it's not like they're incapable. They've just been inconsistent this year. There were games where they weren't in it. Maybe they were missing a few pieces. They didn't tackle well. But we saw last week, when these guys come to play, they're still top-tier talent. Savage and Jair Alexander and guys that can make plays on this defense. They held Parsons to one pressure. On 19 pass rushes, his lowest in any game in his career. And the Cowboys led the NFL in pressure percentage during the season, pressuring opponent and quarterbacks on 44% of pass rushes. Sunday, 4 out of 21. And they blitzed 10 times. So a bunch of pressure and Love either got rid of it or the offensive line did a fantastic job. I, I'm, I was so impressed with that game. And I do think there are a lot of things they can take out of it and use. How about this one? That was the best passing game based on DVOA in franchise history. A franchise that had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and that game was better just based on single game DVOA than any game those guys ever played, which is, is which just is nuts. Insane to think about it. And also, 49ers are just middle of the tier defending the rush. Yeah. Uh, you look at what Aaron Jones has done his last four games, all of them over 100, averaging a buck 19. If he runs o- over 100 yards, the Packers are going to cover this game. Absolutely. EMC is a little banged up. I know you can run on him. My worry with the 49ers is the health. That is legitimately my worry. CMC, Trent Williams, I think LaFleur is going to be able to scheme enough to keep this game competitive. And I think this is going to be another game that comes down to the last possession. I see this, the I probably see this being a seven or seven to three point win by the 49ers. Yeah. Um, I think so too. But I I what and what you're saying here, there's enough, and this isn't even one of those for me where, and I don't think either of the games are where it's just like ah, the number is so big that I just think this team could backdoor. There are absolutely versions of this game that Green Bay wins. Like yeah, they play, they're going to need like Love's going to need another game. And, they're going to keep the defensive line, and they're going to need a few bounces. Like they're going to need Purdy to make a bad throw or two, a pick. There's going to need to be a fumble from the 49. Like something like that, or a couple things are going to need to happen. But it's not as if Green Bay can't win this game because they have a guy. And this is what I love right now with both a Stroud and Love. Maybe they regress this week against these better teams and have they don't have as good of a game as they did. But there, with both of these guys right now, there might be this built, there might be this ceiling that we don't even know is there yet. That, that's what yeah. happens with these young studs, right? When when you've got a young dude, we saw it with LeBron and with Kobe and these guys in basketball, or you see it with Mahomes. When someone's farther along than you think and they can do things you're not projecting, you know, the, these are two teams that are ripe, that are ripe to to take a massive leap forward in everyone's perception this weekend. And then also San Francisco has lofty aspirations. If they get up, I think we're going to see limited CMC, limited Debo. You know what I mean? I think 
absolutely going to be very conscientious about resting these guys and keeping these guys fresh. I think San Francisco wins. I'm hoping we can get a 10. I'm holding off right now, hoping it goes back up to 10, but I'm fine playing the nine and a half. I will say this. If you think that the Packers are going to win, you have to play a future on them. I think you can get them over 10 to one to, to come out of the, um, of the NFC. So if you think the Packers are going to win, it's worth playing, playing a future on them to come out of the, come out of the NFC. But I like the, I like the 49ers here to win a close game. I'll take the Packers here. Plus the points waiting for a 10, but fine playing the nine and a half. Both the Packers and the Texans remind me of horses that I bet on in horse racing, like the types of horses that I play because they have the, they have the ability to run as good of a race as anyone. They just don't do it quite consistently yet because they're younger or they're, they have reasons, or maybe they're a front runner and they've been in races where there've been other front runners, or maybe they're a closer. You look at this green Bay team this year, they have a very well-balanced offense. Now they can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They have a bunch of different playmakers, good receivers, good tight ends. And then defensively they they have holes, but they have some top tier talent. So they, they're like the template for them to have these really good games. And while maybe they can't do this this week and then two more weeks in a row, they still are a team that I always would like to play as a big dog like this because there's a real ceiling that's there. Uh, a couple just positives about the 49ers before we move along. Shanahan, six and three in seven years in the playoffs with San Francisco. They've won five straight home playoff games. They only had two losses to NFC teams this year. Um, no NFL team had more running plays of 10 or more yards than the 74 they had. So that's, that's the real key. Can, can green Bay stop their D uh, the stop the run a little bit just to get them off the field and not have the 49ers being able to do whatever they want and dictate that. Um, they were third in the league in rushing yards, fourth in passing yards. So that's that balance that you get there. And the Packers actually have, PFF's lowest coverage grade on targets to opposing tight ends. They also rank bottom 10 in EPA per dropback on targets to tight ends. This could be a big Kittle game. Someone that I'm going to use in some of my parlay play and DFS lineups this weekend. Cause I think he could be someone, you know, that, that feasts in this game. Purdy number one in QBR. And he set a franchise record for passing yards in a season for the 49ers. Unbelievable. First in yards per attempt, per dropback, yards per completion, EPA added per dropback. Great year for this guy. Really great year for Shanahan to get in a, a guy like Brock Purdy, who read a really great article about him. Eric, I know you followed him a lot in college where in his first couple years, it looked like after his sophomore year, he was going to be a really good player and a really good prospect and just didn't, they didn't quite progress. And hearing him, he kind of reflected on why, why he thought, what happened, what he could have done better, trying to do too much, this and that. And I love reading that kind of stuff. And and sometimes we forget, we look at these players on the paper, like they're just a, a robot, right? And we forget the human side of it and how they can change and, and they're, they can improve or regress, or there can be reasons why in their personal life. So uh, really fascinating stuff there because Man, a couple of years ago, who the hell ever would have said Brock Purdy is <laughs> going to be leading the league in all these quarterback stats? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy when you think about it. Okay, Eric, two more games to talk about. Let's move to Sunday. We will go to your Lions. How about this? Your Lions are hosting a second home playoff game, and they are a six-and-a-half-point favorite 
to get to the conference championship. Wow. Amazing. Uh, ben Flores, who works for VIN, tweeted out, the Lions are plus 750 to win the Super Bowl. Wow. This is the lowest odds that they've ever been. I hope some of you guys listened last week and jumped on the 18-1 to 1 that Gino and I um, gave could, out. Because could you imagine? Look at look at how it, it shakes out this week. Like, what if Green Bay goes in and upsets them, 49ers? Mm. Or, and, and even if they don't, if the Lions were to win, you go play a 49ers team that's good, but it's not a, like a crazy bad weather game. You don't have to worry about anything like that. You are a well-built, well-balanced offense. You have a good offensive line. So you still feel like you should be able to move the ball a little bit against them. You got to feel pretty good about where you are as you took that big number last week. Yeah, like, so we're sitting in a good position. In terms of this game, I look at it like this. Both teams are bad on the back four. Both teams are in the top five in terms of production allowed to opposing wide receivers. So my and it's over the key number of 48. My thought process is I'm gonna wait to see if I can get a 48. Or if this game starts off a little slow, maybe look to get a live number over. But I think this game has the potential to shoot out. We need to remember Bucks have one of the worst rushing attacks in the league, and the Lions are really good against the run, but struggle against the pass. So that's another thing why it could go to this over. Last week against the Eagles. Vitavaya, who Vitavaya, who's been a stud in his career against the run, stuffing the run, had a second, had a resurgence. We haven't seen him, this from him in a couple years. He was a stud up front. He stopped the, the tush push. Yeah. So <laughs> we haven't seen this for a while. Um, so are we going to see that where he stops the Lions rushing attack? Because at the end of the day, the Lions are all going to be a rushing based attack. What's the in what's what's the status with Mayfield? Eagles really didn't do a good job getting home, making them run, having him put no, pressure on this. Ankle. Not at all. Is Hutchinson going to be able to get home, make him a little bit uncomfortable? How Three straight games with multiple sacks now, right? He kind of had a little bit of a lull towards the middle to the the second the start of the second half of the year, and now he's fired back up the last few weeks. Yeah. So how how is that going to look? Um, honestly, which DB? Do you trust? No, which which cornerback do you trust? Excuse me. Do you trust Goff or do you trust Mayfield? You got two former number one overall quarterback picks now playing for a different team because their first teams gave up on them. How about this Baker, his fourth team for Baker Mayfield so yeah. far? And man, uh, it was one of his best games ever. He, he has two playoff wins since 1995 and the Browns have one. <laughs> the guy they gave up on. <laughs> he has one more playoff win than Lamar, Justin Herbert, and Tua combined. I know, which is which is absolutely crazy. And props to Baker. We need to remember when he was with the Panthers, he was practice squad defensive. It line. was terrible. He was terrible, and and it took maybe just going to McVay and things kind of his mental space. He's given McVay credit for being where he is. In terms of betting wise, look, I did this. Laporta's number opened at 40 and a half. They took it off the board. It dropped down to 35 and a half. I actually bet it at 40 and a half and 35 and a half. Bucks allow the third most yards per game to opposing tight ends, 63.4 yards per game, allowing 10.6 yards per reception. Last game, Laporta only had 36 yards on four receptions, but he had an insane 11 targets. With the way the Lions play offense, everything's funneled in the middle. 
That's why Laporta and Brown are their centerpieces. Laporta second in the lines of targets, 20% target share. Also, Laporta has gone over this total 10 times. I really think he is in line for another big game, and he's going to get in week to get healthier. So I'm going to take Laporta over the 40 and a half, 35 and a half. I like it. I'm, I'm going to play it. I'm going to ladder this one. I like it. Uh, like I said, I played the 40 and a half. I gave that one out on my stream, dropped down to 35 just because of the injury concerns. I'm going to play that as well. My other one is I bet Mike Evans over 64 and a half. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm going to attack too. Go, go ahead. Give up the third most yards per game to opposing wide receivers, 181.2 yards per game. 16th DVOA defending the wide receiver, 23rd DVOA defending wide receiver ones, and 29th DVOA defending the deep pass. Last five five wide receivers they've played, Puka, 9 for 81. Jefferson, 12 for 192. Lamb, 12 for 227. Jefferson, 6 for 141. Judy, 3 for 74. That is 8.4 receptions for 163 yards per game. Evans went over this total of 10 games. Leads the Bucks in targets with a 24% target share. He's averaging 70 yards per game this season this Lions secondary is bad it can be thrown on give me the over 64 and a half yeah just a couple other notes uh on this one uh baker finished with 337 yards three touchdowns no interceptions scrambled for 16 yards and two carries only the second ever tampa quarterback to pass for 300 yards in a playoff game just him and brady did this with rib and ankle injuries his personal physiotherapist visited twice during the week just to get him extra treatment Five different receivers had at least 45 yards. But you mentioned they need more from Evans. He's got a great matchup too. Both of the guys he's going up against that you pointed out, they're five foot eleven and they're low graded players by pro football focus. And, and you just pointed it out. 181 yards for Puka last week. Uh Tampa, though, they had 426 total yards, 23 first downs. They were really good last week. It's just so hard to tell. Was that because they played well, or was that because they played against the team that just gave up? I mean, Philly. Philly was 0 for 9 on third down and 0 for 2 on fourth down. They they just were bad. They uh Tampa had 10 unblocked pressures, which was tied for the most by any game, uh, tied for the most in any game by a defense this year. But they have won six out of seven games. And one thing they have to work on though, they meet, need to try a different strategy. They blitzed opponents 40% of dropbacks this year, which is third most. Goff was very good against the blitz this year. He was seventh in the league, averaging 7.5 yards per attempt. So you, there, it's normally been, hey, put pressure on Goff. But you guys have, the Lions have a good enough offensive line to where they can buy him an extra second or two. So if you send an extra at him, he'll pick you apart. He's very accurate, and he's a great thrower down the field. He's just not elusive, right? So that's the difference. He can make the big throws if he has the time. He just... He can't really buy himself the time, and that's what's nice about the Lions. They buy that time for him. Tampa was 8-1 and one against the spread away from home this year. Dude, this team was $80 million in dead cap money. They were supposed to be the second-worst team in the league. They were picked to tank for the number one overall pick. And at one point, they w- uh, lost six out of seven games during the year, and now they're here, one of the final eight teams. Shout-out to them. They did a fantastic job. Uh, a couple other things for the Lions before we move on to our final game. Lions, top five in yards per play, scoring offense, passing yards, rushing yards. Top five in EPA per play, points per drive, EPA per rush, EPA per drive, passing success rate. This is a good football team. And now you just see the way they've been built. Here's your last three years, Eric. Here's how your roster was built. 2021, Sewell, St. Brown, 
Derek Barnes, McNeil, Melifonwu, Jacobs. 2022, Hutchinson, Williams, Pascal, Kirby Joseph. 2023, Gibbs, Laporta, Branch, Campbell. Just incredible. A lot of those moves hit. Very few of them didn't hit. And you see Amon Ross St. Brown. Seven catches. All of them resulted in a first down. Most by any player last week. They scored touchdowns on their first three possessions. And then when they got stagnant and the defense needed to step up, they did. That's the mark of a good team. Defense did not let the Rams score a touchdown three trips into the red zone. And Hutchinson, on top of the couple of sacks... He was the reason why the Rams weren't able to kick a field goal. He was the one that forced that offensive holding penalty call. And that bumped the Rams back and that forced them to punt. And that gave the Lions the ball and the chance to run the clock out. After starting 4-19-1, Dan Campbell has this team in the right direction, man. Final of four games to discuss, Eric. We got a good one, too. We got the Chiefs at the Bills here. Bills have now won six in a row. And these two teams have, have developed quite a fun rivalry over the last couple of years. Bills have won three straight regular season games against the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have won two straight playoff games. But the last five times they've played, they've all been in Kansas City. This will be the first time they're playing in Buffalo. And this is the first road playoff game Mahomes has ever played in, which is it's just crazy to which think is- about. Um, but man, it's... Coming into this game, you cannot talk about this game without talking about how bad of a week it was for the Bills with the injuries. They had three uh, leading tackler, Bernard, Nickelback, Taron Johnson, uh, cornerback, Benford, all couldn't finish the game. Five of their defensive starters from the regular season finale against Miami are injured and in jeopardy of being under unavailable. And on top of that, three backup, all defensive players. Uh, the defensive line and the safeties, they were the only starters that were on the field at the end of that game. Everybody else was replacement players. AJ Klein was signed to the practice squad last Thursday. He was going, him and his family were getting ready to go to the Florida Keys. He was done. They cut him a month ago, like six weeks ago. He thought his career was over. They call him up on Thursday. He ends up making a game high 11 tackles. It was the most he's made in in three years. He's only had one game in his whole career where he had more than 11 tackles. And he gets out there last week coming off the couch. I mean, they got up 21-0 and then they coasted, but they got 14 points off of turnovers alone in the first half. Um, This is going to be a game, though, where I think both of these quarterbacks, I got a feeling they're both going to run a lot. In particular, Josh Allen. This is when he, he usually does run a whole lot, Eric. He's doubled the EPA of any other quarterback on design carries and scrambles this year. And in... The uh, last three games, 12 carries, 15 carries, and eight carries, at least 67 yards rushing in each of the last two games. And in his nine playoff games, Josh Allen has 20 touchdown passes and four interceptions. But to me, the two biggest things to talk about with Buffalo are the injuries and, Eric, they're only coming off of five days rest. Two full days less of rest than the Chiefs because this game got moved from Saturday last week to Monday, we've never seen a team in the playoffs have to deal with two days less rest like this. Um, so this is a that's a big deal, especially with the injuries they have. Um, I look at this game like this. Um, it, 
Chiefs are 27th DVOA versus the run. And ever since Brady has taken over, the offense seems to focus center around the running game, namely Cook. We've seen his carries go from 12 to 17. The million-dollar question is, can the Chiefs stop the run? Allen at home as a favorite in the playoffs or during the regular season, 65% ATS. Another thing to keep up with. I know McHolmes, Kelsey, Andy Reid, looking at this year, 12-2 and two when they hold an opponent under 20. 0-4 when a team scores over, over 20. Is this Chiefs defense, which struggles to stop the run, going to be able to generate enough stops? What's going on with Douglas? Is Douglas going to be able to play? Douglas playing is going to be huge because he can shadow Rice, and then you can focus your attention to Kelsey. Kelsey, um, you know, six for 83 last time against the Bills, the last four games against the Bills, six receptions, 78.25 yards. We've seen him have success against this McDermott defense. So I really think having Douglas there so he can shadow Rice and then rolling double bracket coverage to Kelsey is going to be their path. Bills can be run on, but this offense with Nagy is just awful compared to what it's been with the enemy. And I don't think they're going to run the offense through Pacheco. In no. my eyes, if the Chiefs have any title aspirations, this has to be a Pacheco offense so that way it controls the clock, limits their defense on the field, and Mahomes just is it's just not clicking right now. There's no creativity in the red zone. We're seeing like in the past where they used to get in the red zone and score sixes. Now they're scoring threes. That, just that right nice, there, nice as someone because it's it sounds and just talking about it, it sounds like you like Buffalo and we'll, we'll, we'll I, I bet Buffalo minus two and a half. And and I would and I bet now at three, I'm on Kansas City, but I wouldn't play it at less than three at the field goal, I would play Kansas city. But what you just hit on right there is the real key. Uh, they have really struggled the last, like really, really struggled in the red zone. And even when they're moving the ball right now, they have just not been punching it into the red zone. And that happened again last week. The drops were plaguing them. Kelsey had two more drops. Got to clean that up against better teams. Can the template for them in this game is okay. Now rice looks like their other guy. We have rice. We have Kelsey, we have Pacheco, we have Mahomes. Those are our guys. Those are the guys we lean on. We try not to get too many other guys involved. And that's how we hope. I, I for me, if, if it were them, like if it were me and I were Mahomes in this situation, I would look at this team now and think, you know, I'm not going to be a running quarterback. I think Mahomes is going to run a lot in this game. And I think for them, I think in the next couple weeks, that could be something that is like an untapped resource. Just letting him run. You don't want to let him run throughout the regular year all the time. You don't want him to get hurt. But right now, if he him running eight times in this game and picking up five yards a carry, you like a scramble every time he drops back and there's nobody open, boom, just roll out, pick up five, pick up six. I think that there, we're going to see that from him. Oh, man, I'm excited for this game. It's just going to be a really, really good game. He's, he's 38 and 11 on the road. That's the most wins by any quarterback in their first 50 road starts since 1950. Um, this is his first road playoff game. Ever. I mean, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, the Bills were 11th worst allowing rushing yards to the quarterback this year. And, I've, and I'm looking at the way where they're the most banged up, Eric. 
is the middle of the defense, right? So running the, like if he wants to run, those linebackers are going to be all out of place. Those guys with their assignments, there, there are going to be holes there for yeah. him. And his rushing prop right now, I think is 27, 27 and a half. Uh, I locked that one in on the over. It, it, to me, what's so hard about this team, and it's the, the same I feel about Tampa. Do I take a lot out of the game for the Chiefs last week? Because they did look a little bit better. You know, like you pointed out, they didn't get into the red zone. I mean, they didn't punch it in. They, you know, they had 409 total yards, but just two of six in the red zone with four field goals. But was it more of Miami missing a bunch of their starters, depleted? And is that why Kansas City was able to look a little bit better? And, but they're going to catch another team here that's going to be depleted and coming off of two days short rest. Um, So, man. But this is it. Like, literally, like, but you, Allen, Allen is way different. And if Buffalo is going to win a title, I think this is going to be the year. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. It, it set and, up very well for them again this year. It I did mean, after the main thing for them is Gabe Davis coming back. That's another playmaker. Diggs got to get him engaged. Obviously, there's some sort of issue going on. I don't know if he's pissed off at McDermott. No, just he's weird. Pissed off because the offense is running through James Cook now, but the offense has been a lot better when running through James Cook. That's something we need to remember. I think that the Bills are live here. I like the minus two and a half. Right now at three, I wouldn't do anything. But we need to remember this. This should be a back and forth game, and you're going to be able to get plus money on both sides. Yeah. Fantastic game, man. This should be a blast. Um, Any other things I want to mention? Yeah, they come off that fourth coldest game in NFL history. It was negative four. Uh, Mahomes, he's 21 and six in his career when games are played in 40 degrees or colder, 10 and one in the playoffs. Awesome. Awesome weekend of games coming up here, Eric. Uh, we are going to play the schedule by ear in the next few days. As far as what we are going to have, um, we both have a couple things on our schedule. So we don't know. We may have another show later in the week previewing some of the Saturday and Sunday games. If we don't, good luck to everyone out there. And remember, if you're in the state of Iowa, Sign up for a DRF Sportsbook account. Use the promo code FAST300. It'll give you a $300 match deposit bonus and a $50 credit for a free bet there. Um, hope all goes well on your end, buddy. And if uh, if we can make it work for Saturday, Sunday, we'll figure something out. If not, let's crush it this week with the, uh, the four games. And, man, it, it, it's amazing how quickly we get down in the playoffs here. We only have eight left, and it feels like we have – Four really intriguing matchups. I hope you make some money, and I hope your Lions. I'm rooting for them, man. I really am. I I would love to see them win this whole thing right now. So good luck. I would love it too, man. Good luck to you, and uh, we'll talk soon, my friend. Folks, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Let's have a, a good weekend playing the NFL playoffs. Good luck. Let's talk some Friday racing at Santa Anita. Looking at January the 19th. I have three plays for you. Some smaller fields and some races where I think you you aren't going to get 
you know, a double digit price horse, but I think you can beat some, some favorites. And I think you can beat some vulnerable favorites here with maybe some third or fourth choices. So uh, I've got a horse in the fifth, the sixth, the eighth, we want to look at four to one, six to one and five to one on the morning line. Let's talk to you about the Santa Anita classic meet coming up. Remember at DRF.com, you can get those past performances, clocker reports, DRF picks, everything you need every racing day at Santa Anita. In fact, Santa Anita and Gulfstream Park has those clocker reports every day. So with the first time starters, surface switches, layoffs, whenever you need a little additional help, make sure to head to drf.com, shop.drf.com for all of the tools you need to succeed with your handicapping and your wagering. Let's get into race number five at Santa Anita. So fifth race is six and a half furlongs on the dirt. It's a maiden 50 claimer and it's a state bred for Phillies and mares four and five-year-olds. So the horse I'm going to look at in here is the number three, Jazzy Boo. So she's going to have the blinkers today. She'll be making her fourth career start. And she's obviously had some physical issues. She's a five-year-old who's only made four career starts. She debuted back in December of 2022 for maiden 20 claimers. She was actually claimed out of that race. And out of that race, she did not run again till November of 2023. So she had 11 months off after being claimed. And when she was claimed, she stepped up and she faced open maiden special weights in a race that was probably a little too tough. But she came back on November the 25th. She tried the turf. She went longer. She was down inside. She was in a little bit tight. She had nowhere to go. And she moved through the inside up to third. She kind of got off the inside. I thought it was a pretty decent effort. And then she got tired. She ended up backing up a little bit, but she was in the race. She was involved until late. And that was going a mile on the turf against better maiden special eight Calbred maiden specials. So now she drops in to Calbred maiden 50. She's going to go third, start off the long layoff. She's cutting back. She's getting back to the dirt. The blinkers are coming on. This feels like a really nice spot for her to run well. And I feel like she's got some ability and they like her because they claimed her. Off the long layoff, they step her up. Jazzy Boo, third start off the bench, back to the dirt. The blinkers coming on, getting some class relief here, four to one. I think if we can get anything around three and above, that's fair. Like five to two, I wouldn't want to take lower than that. Riders Candy is the type of horse I'm I'm fine trying to beat. You know, an 0 for 13 horse. And then others that'll take some money, both down on the inside. You have Warren's Paradise. You have uh, Elton Sings Another, who will be forwardly placed in here but has already been beaten twice at a short price. And you see the same thing for a horse like Warren's paradise. Who's been beaten a few different times at short prices. I think there's a little more upside here with a horse like the three jazzy boo. Who's four to one. Let's move to race number six. Now this one is a little tricky, but I think we'll get a fair price on Yolo calls. Who's six to one on the morning line. She's only been on the turf twice. And in her career debut, it was out Belterra. She actually ran really well that day. She finished third. Then she was off. For a full year, shows back up at Santa Anita, has to need the race, and she faces a, a tougher maiden special weight group. So that's that's all we know about her on the grass. Since those two races, she's been on the dirt, and she's done really well in the races on the dirt. What stands out to me about her in this race and why I gravitated towards her, I feel like her running style should play very well in here. I think what you have is a couple of horses who are pretty quick, and then a couple who might be farther back. 
she could get a very nice trip right in between them. Can she sit sort of like she's been sitting two, three lengths off in that fourth sort of spot? If she can, I think that'll play out well in here. The rail can always be tricky, but I do think those things are built into her price a little bit. So if we can say seven furlongs, just a tad too far too. Her form really makes sense. Going through the field, you have the five dancing soul who's really quick. You have the three gypsy Lynn who's really quick. And I think the four will also try to be forwardly placed in here. So combinations of those three horses going. And then after that, you'll have horses who I think will want to be a little bit farther back. Teen drama is a little more of a closer. Dolce Emma, not exactly sure what to expect tactically from her in here. But a new piece, I think, will be they'll try to get a little more forwardly placed because has been coming from a little farther back. It feels like Yolo calls could just get that really nice trip six to one. I think if you get four and above, that's fair in this spot. Let's move to the eighth race. I'm going to look at the number five in here. This is a six furlong turf sprint. We're going to Mars on fire. So the blinkers are coming off after a, a really nice Runner-up effort last time out. He had a slow start. He was fifth down on the inside. He was in some traffic. He got shuffled back. He stayed inside, and he had to move through a pretty tight spot. I thought it was a good effort, but he closed really well that day. And what's nice, when you just look at him in his overall body of work, he won on the lead going gate to wire. That was back in April of 2023. Following that, he was off all the way to November. Now he's just going to be making his third start back off the long layoff. He should be fit in here. And I think they may have some options with him because he can be more forwardly placed than he was last time out. Mars on fire. Two starts back, lost to a horse named Verat, who came back to win next time out with a 90 buyer speed figure. It's nice when you have the formulator DRF pass performances. Take a look at the charts and you can see that Verat came back in one very nicely. So I'm looking at Mars on fire. I had three to one, my value line. I wouldn't want to take less than five to two here. But again, I think in some of these races, while we don't necessarily have 10 to one shots, I think we can beat a couple other shorter prices in there. And those are the horses who can really get you some separation in the multi exotics. So good luck on Friday at Santa Anita. Also for those of you who are contest players, don't forget the Pegasus World Cup betting championship coming up at Gulfstream Park next weekend. You still have chances to qualify for that um, at expressbet.com. So if you go over there, they have all those feeders. Make sure that contest is huge. You can play in it on track. I think Santa Anita, on track Gulfstream or online. And you still have a couple of opportunities to get qualified for that. I know a lot of people are big tournament players. There's $80 feeders on Friday. That gets you into a $1,000 qualifier on Saturday, and then that's how you can win your seat. If you don't want to spend up, it's a $6,000 entry into the big game next weekend on Pegasus Day. So I'll have a huge preview for Pegasus Day. I'll get Barry Spears to join me. We could talk all about the big races at Gulfstream Park there. So we'll have a lot of information leading up to that because that'll be a, a huge day in racing next weekend on Saturday, January the 27th. Hope everyone has an awesome Friday playing the races at Santa Anita. Don't forget any of the help you need playing those races. Got you covered at drf.com. Everything for that Santa Anita Classic meet. PPs, clocker reports, and DRF picks. Good luck. 
And don't forget, folks, every Saturday and Sunday, you can play in a free contest at Santa Anita. It's a pick'em contest. You have to answer 12 prop questions. They are questions about some of the racing for that particular day. And then they also ask you prop questions about other sports, football, baseball, basketball, whatever sports are going on. So right now, on Saturday and Sunday, you're going to have a lot of questions about the NFL games as well as Saturday racing from Santa Anita. 500 bucks to the winner every Saturday, every Sunday, and it's totally free to enter. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. P-I-C-K-E-M.SantaAnita.com. Let's move on to Saturday. Let's get into fairgrounds. Barry Spears joins me to talk about races 9, 10, 11, 12, and 13. All five stakes races to close out the card on a really strong LeCompte Saturday at the fairgrounds. Kick back and enjoy as we dive into the daily racing form, past performances for Saturday. Time to talk about a big Saturday of racing at the fairgrounds. I believe there are six stakes races overall and all stakes pick five to close things out. Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks points up for grabs in some stakes races there. And like always, when you need help handicapping the races, you head to DRF.com. You can get free all access past performances with DRF bets. When you sign up, use the promo code stakes. And every time you wager through DRF bets, you'll get credit for free all-access past performances. Every $50 you wager, you will get uh, access to another set of past performances. I've got my good friend, Barry the Sniper Spears here joining me. Barry, we like to travel all around wherever the big races are. This will be the first time that we've talked fairgrounds in a little while as they have a couple big Saturdays coming up over the next few months, the prep races for the Kentucky Derby in particular, and that's where we'll head today. Uh, to talk about Saturday and races nine through 13 and the feature, the LeCompte. Yeah, this is a great card that we're getting uh, uh, on Saturday at fairgrounds. You know, th this time of year is, is excellent for them. Um, the weather hasn't been all that great, uh, but I everywhere, think will be right? okay. all, uh, all over the place. Uh, the weather isn't great. great Oakland canceled racing this weekend. We've seen yeah. places being frozen. Turfway had to cancel some <laughs> racing. Yeah, the football games, I'm sure all, a lot of you were watching them. It was negative four. There was a wind chill, like a feels-like temperature of negative 27 in that Kansas City-Miami game, which was the fourth coldest football game of all time. They had to postpone the Bill Steelers game last week. Fans all over throwing snowballs at each other in the stands and stuff. So it's one of those times where the weather all over is severe. So hopefully you're all safe if you're able to just chill and hang out and play the races this weekend. I mean, that's always a, that's always a nice thing to do, right? Barry kick back and, uh, and play. If you don't have to go anywhere, don't. Oh man, that's the best when, when that does happen. Like, you know, when I used to live up in Massachusetts, that was like the thing, you know, kind of hang out at home and play the races. Uh, but you know, I, I can't, I can't, really be vocal about how cold it is here in Florida because people laugh at me when I say it was only 50 today. 
you know, I, we've caught down into the 30s a few nights out here, which, you know, it'll get to like 38 at night. And that's chilly for me. I'm not used to that. But people don't want to hear any of that with their negative numbers flashing up in front of uh, their temperatures. So uh, enough weather talk for now. Let's talk about a fun Saturday at the fairgrounds. Barry, race number nine is where you and I are going to start. That's where their late pick five will have all stakes races in a row. And it's now a 15% low takeout pick five, pick five that's worth taking a shot. And I thought the first race in the pick five, pretty challenging in just, you can make cases, I thought for many, for most, you know, they'll start with the outside runner, uh, Tufani, who's won back-to-back races. But as you can see, his last or her last few races, she's come from well, well out of it. So sometimes it's hard to trust a horse who's going to have to, or who will sometimes have to come from that far back. Lovely Princess will also get some money down on the inside. She comes off a win in a local prep race last time out. She's very honest. She's got a pretty good body of work over the last two years or so. But those are some of the shorter prices and some of the horses who will take a lot of money. Who are some of the horses that are on your radar in here, Barry? Yeah, this is, a, like you said, a really interesting race because the favorite is is going to be out on the outside and, and seemingly wants to close like from way back, which is kind of weird. Um, I, I can't trust that horse in this race. Uh, one horse that at a kind of decent price that I, that caught my eye was Fancy Martini 6. Um, I kind of believe that this horse is a little bit better um, than what his speed figures and, and everything have been saying, basically. Um, it's kind of a, a situation where this horse is going to get a good trip, seems to like, like it at, um, at the the fairgrounds has a win already on that turf. I know the turf has gone through some changes, but still the surroundings of, of the fairgrounds, it seems like that horse likes it there. Um, those two things combined, because there's there's quite a lot of speed in here. I think this kind of sets up for a horse like this to step up. The only other horse that, that kind of caught my attention was the one um, lovely princess who will probably be second choice. So that's not too, too bad. I, I prefer her two of the shorter prices. Um, yeah, I I thought so. And then everything I thought, else went. Oh, sorry. We uh, I think we were talking over each other there for a second. But yeah, of the shorter prices, I I liked Lovely Princess a little bit more here. Barry, you can just see just from a speed figure standpoint too. She's been really, really solid, really consistent for her last six, seven races. I think she'll save all the ground. I think she will come running. The horse that I think, uh, the horse I'm going to mention at a price is the number eight. And that's join the dance. So what intrigues me about this particular runner in here, join the dance most recently came off a barn change and a little bit of a layoff. And look at the complete change in tactics that we got, which is not really surprising. Cause funny when you think about Dallas Stewart and you think about Joel Rosario, you would think about horses coming from off the pace, right? That's, for me, but that trainer and that jockey, I would always think of horses wanting to close. And that's what they did with join the dance. They got this mare who's never really been one that wanted to come from off the pace to actually close in that race. And while she was behind lovely princess and creative Cairo, she didn't really get the race shape in there. She was wide early. She was back to seven. She was well off and she had to move all the way around 
the top four early finish, like fourth, fifth, seventh, and sixth. So it's set up for horses coming off the pace like that. What I really like, though, is that I don't think she wants to or even needs to be that far back. I'd love to see somewhere in between what we saw throughout the bulk of her career and then last time. Maybe just not right on the lead. Now we know she can pass horses if that's the plan, especially with the newborn and maybe a new jockey who's able to get horses to relax a little more. Can she sit, you know, third or fourth in here, Barry, and not just be as far back and maybe be middle of the pack or get the jump on some of the deep closers? Because I think she might have a little versatility to her now. Yeah, you, you might be right. Um but the you know there's there's a couple of things that gives me a lot of pause on this. Um, a, I think, and and this is gonna sound like uh, typical horse player stuff, but just Joel Rosario has not been putting horses remotely into races at all. Yeah, and I don't think he's gonna do that here either. I think him and the eight and nine, you know, join the dance and Terfani will probably be trailing the field. Um. I wish it wasn't that way because join the dance would be a horse that I would like a lot better if I knew that he was going to, or she was going to get a rider that would at least moderately put her into the race. Like, you know, like a Louis Saez, how he rides. I would, I would enjoy that a little bit more. The other thing is about the one is I think they may have put a rabbit in here and unbridled Mary to kind of force the issue. And, and that Make would sure be a good thing. Yes, and and that's why I kind of like that horse a, a little bit more. But uh, you know, obviously, we're gonna have some price limitations on that one. Um, but man, this this is this is definitely a tough race to start off a pick five sequence. Yeah, you mentioned Fancy Martini, who would be in the mix for me of pick five horses. Uh, we talked about the nine, who's going to be coming from way out of it. We talked good enough about Lovely Princess. Others just worth mentioning because I'm sure some people will, will have them on tickets here. Creative Car was behind Lovely Princess, has been beaten by Tufany, was actually favored over Tufany. And then Lovely Princess, in the race on December the 23rd, she did get a really nice, perfect trip up the inside. And Creative Cairo almost came and got her after having to go wide in there. So I was impressed with the fact that she almost ran her down. But I do still like Lovely Princess a little bit more, uh, just overall with her body of work. And Anatolian is another sharp one who's just been sharp as of late uh, on in races that were taken off the turf. But this horse does have turf form as well. Might just be a better horse now because she's really strung races together. And this has been the best stretch of racing in her career now. So I think she is just an improving mare. That's what does make this race challenging. I We can knock all those horses I mentioned, but none of them would really be that huge of a shock in here and they're they're going to be decent prices they just they'll need to get their types of trips yeah i think there's only like one horse in here the two that i would be surprised if that horse won yeah um everybody else has a great shot creative cairo you know that horse probably needed the cutback i think this horse is better at this distance than, yep. than going longer yep. um and, and and again that one might kind of fly under the radar and the price go up i think so there's a look at race number nine, which kicks off this late pick five at fairgrounds on Saturday, January the 20th. Let's move to the silver bullet day. Barry, we have three-year-old fillies, and this is another one of those races that's on the series that we're going to see 
Phillies take their step forward from this race to a couple more races throughout the meet at fairgrounds to try to get them ready for the Kentucky Oaks. So I don't think I saw that there were any horses that were scratches. Uh, we have a couple coming in later races that I will mention. Talk to us about the silver bullet day going to mile 70 for three-year-old Phillies. Who are some of the horses that stood out to you here that you would need to use in your pick fives? Yeah, the, the race definitely is going to go through West Omaha. Um, kind of a standout here, I think, personally. Um, you know, has the right running style, can be on the lead, can sit all off uh, based on the last one, gets a, a good rider switch into Louis Saez, who's going to put this horse in. I thought the one perfect shot and the eight, Sistina Chapel, were a little, little bit fraudulent here. Um, I, I can't trust either of those horses in this race. I mean, perfect shot is coming off a maiden win. You know, has the pedigree and everything to, to be great, um, you know, in general. But it's hard to take a horse jumping into this kind of company off of a maiden win. If, if that horse wins, definitely is the goods. Um, not to mention, again, I, I hate doing this, but it's just the elephant in the room with Joel Rosario. He's not been putting horses into races, and they've been sitting dead last, coming hard, and just This will be short. a really good test day I don't for think him, that right, on Saturday? Stop. Because some of these horses feel like yeah. they've got to be closer. And if we really see them not, then th that's like something hu huge moving forward to keep an eye on. Because and he's these capable, horses, obviously. He's absolutely. Done it. Like when he was he's out in, in Santa Anita. Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Because I'm, I agree with you that the six is the horse to beat. I'm a little warmer on the one perfect shot. I'll talk just a little bit about some of the things that I, I'm okay with, yeah. with perfect shot. And then mention one price horse that I like in here too. So I, I do agree with you stepping up sometimes from maidens to a stakes race like this can be a little difficult, but I looked at the, the races that she came out of um, in her debut. She lost to a horse named Jin Jin, who we actually just saw come back and win the Busanda um, last week. So Jin Jin is actually a stakes place now stakes winner and pretty solid three-year-old Philly. So just kind of using her as a measuring stick. I thought she lost, lost to decent company in her debut and then stretched out. And you can see the progression that she's shown in her three races since getting a little bit more distance. I think she mainly wanted to be more of a, a mile, a two turn type horse. And in her second start, she was on the sloppy racetrack. She finished second behind a horse who basically went gate to wire, who was able to sit in front of her and got the early jump. And then she came back in her third start. She sat pretty nicely. She was way out wide. And then she moved right into the second spot. The horse that she beat came back and won. So I kind of, I just like her progression. I think she could be in a pretty good spot sitting third or fourth. And I'm looking at some of the horses that she's faced and they are stakes types horses. So I, I give her a shot, but the horse who I really wanted to mention that I'm kind of intrigued by as a wild card is uh, Ma Ray's girl, the five. I just really, I it's the same one. Oh, I thought it was no. the same one I was going to go for. <laughs> okay. I'll go Mare and then you go next with uh, with your sort of price horse in here that you were looking at. I thought her win at Turfway last time out, she showed speed because she was down inside in a big field. I don't think she needs the lead. And she's been quick, but in her debut, I'm hoping she can do something a little more like that. She won one of those really high-level claiming races at Keeneland that's basically like a maiden special weight race. She's had a really nice trip. Then after that, she came back 
and they threw her in a stakes race just a little quick at Churchill. And following that, she goes over to Turfway. She stretches out. It's a good spot to stretch out. And I, I've mentioned this. The racing at Turfway this year, last year in particular, is so much better than it was five years ago. And I I think the quality of horses they showed last year when they came out of those races and they went other places, they performed really well. And what also happens, the speed figures for those races and just synthetic races in general, watching Woodbine, watching Turfway, they're usually a little bit light just compared to the dirt races. Sometimes those races just aren't as fast on synthetic tracks. So you won't get quite as fast of speed figures. And I think a lot of times these horses can be undervalued because of that. Cause people won't see the overwhelming speed figures there. I think she's kind of interesting here, Barry. So I'm going to throw her into my pick five too, Ma Ray's girl. But uh, you tell us about the price that you were looking at in here. Yeah. I was looking at number seven, no risk it, no biscuit. Um, Great name. I think this horse is, is making, yeah, it's a, it's a hell of a name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think that this horse has uh, some upside here. I mean, you see how she broke her maiden on October 25th at Keeneland, um, stretching out for the first or the second time. Um, but if you go back in her, her early in her career at, at Saratoga, she lost to Ways and Means, who was razor sharp at the time. It was like, all-world horse alpine princess is no slouch either then kind of got away from those types and and ended up improving then i think they went to delta to get some stakes experience and she didn't run all that bad um you know in a nine horse field finished third seven lengths back by a runoff winner um the tappet horse so i think there's some upside here i i don't really particularly think this horse will win but I do think this horse is going to show up in the in the in the picture at a price. And we talked about Alpine Princess. That was the horse who defeated West Omaha last time out. So just playing that same common rival game. That's a very nice horse, Alpine Princess, who we saw show up in the past performances for a couple of the Phillies in the Silver Bullet Day. Uh, yeah, intriguing because we both feel like West Omaha is the one they'll have to beat. But we have each a price horse. It's worth mentioning the very honest horse who I don't really have any knocks on. She's done nothing wrong in here. I I'm just a little bit worried that she might, if the field does stay intact, she could get caught up in a battle. I sort of want to make her prove it a little bit to me. She's shown that she can sit off a little bit, but miss code West in here. She's uh she's deserving of stepping up and taking a shot here after she beat Oklahoma breads for her first few starts. Then she stepped up against op- uh, open company but that race was on a muddy track. So sometimes it's hard to tell if it'll really translate, but I understand why they take a swing here and she deserves to be in here. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I was kind of shocked at, at the nine to two morning nine when I saw that come out. Um, she's a little bit light on speed figures. She, she's probably a lot better than, than her numbers say, but I don't know if, if this is the right spot for her just because of the way the race kind of, you know, came up with, with the entries. And then the last race in the mud was kind of a perfect trip win. So that, that one's kind of, I'm, I'm not really too sure. I guess I got to take a look at her, um, you know, physically and, and see what, what, uh, what we get. But I was thinking that she might drift up in odds a little bit. The Kentucky Oaks points are up for grabs here. 20, 
10, 6, 4, 2. Top five finishers get Kentucky Oaks points in the Silver Bullet Day. That's race 10 on Saturday at the fairgrounds. Barry, as we turn the page to race number 11, talk to us about everything going on with uh, going in circles with Big Mondays and where the folks can hear a little bit more from you. Yeah, you know, we're, we're plugging away. Um, you know, our Big Monday shows, we're going to have more guests on this year. I, I think I've mentioned that before. Um, we got our website, Raising Hub, that uh, I think is posting a an article either today or tomorrow, if he already hasn't. Um, and, you know, just just being around. I'm, I'm going to try to get out and about this year, um, try to get up to Saratoga, try to get over to Gulfstream, possibly for the Pegasus, and then over to Tampa. So, yeah, man, just ready to do it. Now that I, I've got, you know, some of my health issues behind me, I'm I'm ready to roll, man. Feeling good, sounding good, and always looking good. That's Barry Spears as we get ready for the Colonel E.R. Bradley. So this is a $100,000 stakes race on the turf (laughs) for four-year-olds and up. And I think I was looking at reading through article from Marcus Hirsch. He was basically suggesting that with Brigadier General, if the race is off the turf, he probably won't run. He's cross-centered in a race at Oaklawn Park. Now, they're not running at Oaklawn this weekend, but he seemed like he was in here for it to be off turf. Maybe they do stay in and he tries turf for the first time, but that it's worth mentioning because if he's not in the race come Saturday, that does make things much easier for the horse right next door to him. Strong quality. If you want to beat strong quality, you you're hoping a horse like Brigadier general is in this race. Cause that will make life a lot harder on him. Oh, I think you were muted there. Yeah. Um, this is actually the the horse that I like in this race. Funny enough, um, is probably the horse I like the best in the sequence. I know there's a lot going on, you know, with with strong quality Brigadier General. You know, it seems like the pace might get a little hot. Um, even you know, Rising Empire has some speed. Beatbox probably want to be forwardly placed. So I guess I, I should take that back. It's not going to get hot. It's it's going to be above average. <laughs> Um, and that left me with two horses. The one that I, I, I like more than the other is Protonic Power. I think that last race in the uh, Sam Del, Delberto Memorial, I think it's Sam. I'm, I'm just saying that off my head, but it's the Delberto Memorial race. Um, got stopped mid-stretch at a big price. Buddy, the horse was making Buddy a Dilberto. gigantic move if, if you see that replay. Yeah, there it is. Buddy Dilberto. Swansonite. <laughs> um, I, I, I think this horse is same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think Protonic Power has, has some some punch in the stretch. And uh, Pedroza is probably going to get him in, the, in a similar spot than what he did um, on that day on, on December 23rd. And I don't think it's a, a huge leap for this horse to improve slightly and win this race at a decent price. And the other horse that, that kind of caught attention is rising empire. The eight, um, yeah. this horse arguably, or not arguably his best races have come on the fairgrounds turf. Um, and, and yeah. his back class and his, you know, kind of versatility screams that this horse is going to get a good trip. Um, with Louis Saez, he's going to get this horse in the right, spot if it's too fast he's going to lay off if it's not fast enough he's going to put this horse in the race um at five to one which i thought was a little far-fetched i I thought this horse would probably be more nine to two four to one ish um definitely worth taking a second look at 
So that's my play, Rising Empire. I uh, I thought that last effort is one that you could just put a line right through. So he got bumped at the start. He was four wide going into the turn and just wide all the way around. And he moved all the way up, but he just tired and he was chasing a lone speed winner that day. Um, now he's going to go third start off the bench. Saez is bored, but this horse does not need the lead. He can sit third, fourth in here, get the jump on some of these deeper closers. I like him uh, in this spot, Barry. I'm glad you mentioned him too. He's the horse who I've picked on top. And I think I think he and uh, one more horse that I wanted to mention will uh, will be in the mix for me, the five English Tavern. He was third in that race and he could just get a nice trip too if he just sits like he did last time. A couple of his more recent races, he's been showing more tactical speed, which I like. So um, he's going to be in the mix for me in some of the pick fives as well. And um yeah, I guess it'll all come down to what this pace like pace plays out. You mentioned the one. He he's I'm playing him too. Protonic power. Those are those are all horses that come out of a race where they were just chasing lone speed. They didn't get an opportunity that day to get any pace to chase. And we're just hoping that the same thing doesn't happen in here. That's it. Yeah, because two Emmys kind of ran off and man, the the one got into some serious trouble in that race. You know, I I, I still don't understand why that horse was 42 to one that day but hey if we get that on saturday it's a go time and sad news about two emmys who had a career-ending injury um most recently just just after that really nice performance there and you can see was still in, in fantastic form so very sad news there as we finish up talking about race number 11 from fairgrounds on saturday moving into race number 12 Barry. So this one will have some of these older horses and some familiar names in the grade three, Louisiana believe the seven Kapuna is going to be scratched. So that will make this now a field of six. And there will be a couple horses that look to take a lot of money in here. Smile happy. It's nine to five on the morning line, but he hasn't raced since July. Saudi crown is eight to five on the morning line. He hasn't raced since November. And he's probably using this as a prep because he has bigger plans all throughout the year. And then you have five-star general who's pretty quick. He wants to go. And I don't know how much Saudi crown really wants to sit. So it seems like you've got two horses coming off layoffs at really short prices. And you also have a murky pace scenario for Saudi crown who wants to be really close. How'd you see this race playing out? Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting race um, because of Saudi crown. And I'm skeptical that this horse wants a fight. And I know I you see all those ones in the past performances, but you also see that the horse was usually clear a length or so um, in doing most of those, you know, winning a lot of those races. Like the first two, you know, the maiden just clearly better than those. Same thing with that allowance race. But then when you step up into grade two, grade three, grade one company, kind of got easy leads. And if five-star general wants to go and, and challenge that horse, it's probably the best thing they could do. I don't think Saudi crown is going to be around. And I, I, I really think smile happy is a standout here. Um, we'll just get the perfect trip. And in fact, probably get a, a you know, a similar kind of, buyer number if this horse wins because he, there's no way that this horse can't get a good trip here 
I, I mean, he's just going to be the in the second flight almost by himself. And, you know, everybody else is, is kind of looking for scraps after that. Um, what you were pointing out, I think, is what makes ahead. this race difficult to, hand, to handicap and just who the the trips of the horses, because I do. I don't like Saudi crown in this spot. I think with Saudi crown and with five-star general, I'm going to play against those two speed horses. Now I want to kind of play against smile happy, but I, of the, of the shorter prices, you're absolutely right. He no doubt will be the horse that gets the trip in here. He's shown that he can run off a layoff too. This isn't the longest layoff in the world. Maybe he needs a race for his next best effort, but he really should get a good trip. It's just difficult because the other horses are really deeper closers. You know, you have Red Route 1, who this just feels too short for him. If this was a mile and an eighth or a little farther, I might give him a look. Happy American, I'm going to use because he is actually run really well at this trip. And there might be versions of this race where he comes closing and he's got a couple of the races off the bench to shake some of the rust off. I thought his last race was actually pretty good. Kind of a wake up call where he was chasing five-star general. He'll get a little more pace to chase today in here. So I'm going to use him along with the two smile happy who you mentioned. And then I'm, I'm going to throw in one complete, complete wild card confidence game. We haven't seen him show much since the Derby. But he actually could get the trip we're talking about, Barry. If they don't go with him, but if he just uses some of his natural speed, he might be sitting third and maybe in front of Smile Happy, in front of some of these deep closers at a massive price. I know he has a race good enough in there that's competitive with this. Huge price in this field. His race last time out, he got it was a really weird race. He got shuffled back to last and he came on again. I, I just feel like they're going to be more aggressive with him and have him more in the race. I just hope it's not battling with the other two. Can he be sitting third? I'm going to, I'm going to try to throw him in, um, in some tickets, but my agreement with you. And I think in a lot of these races, at least of the horses to beat, I much prefer, um, smile happy to Saudi crown just based on the way this race could shape up. Yeah, um, a lot of this kind of goes through Saudi Crown. If, if Saudi Crown is allowed to shake loose, this race is going to be over very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah. If not, you know, Smile Happy, in my opinion, is going to get the run of the race. He's a better closer, and he, he's he's proven, you know, more at, 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 at a higher level based on his, uh, you know, the company that he kept. Um yeah, this this could go different ways. I think Happy American is 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 one that I will use. Um, another one with his best races coming at the fairgrounds, and and, and kind of rounding into form. I, that last yeah. race, he kind of perked up a little bit, got into a little bit more of that on Saturday. Yep. There's a look at race number twelve at the fairgrounds on Saturday. It is the Grade Three Louisiana. Let's turn the page to the 13th and final on Saturday. It's the grade three LeCompte. It does look like we will have a couple scratches in here. Trainer Brad Cox will run Nash and Ethan Energy, but Awesome Road will be scratched. So the eight likely out of this one, Barry. Uh, Trainer Keith DeSormo will scratch next level. So the one also out. The three 
Tizzy Indy is possible. So a couple of the bigger prices on the morning line. Uh, we may only end up having a field of five. The major players are all in here. And the top two to start with are Nash and Track Phantom. They were one, two in the gun runner just a few weeks ago, right here at Fairgrounds. And in that race, Track Phantom actually got in front of Nash. Nash had a big win going gate to wire at Churchill Downs, where he earned a huge buyer speed figure. And in just reading the article from Marcus Hirsch, it feels like they are going to make sure that Nash is much closer early on today too, Barry. And I think that makes this race very interesting when you have the top two who are going to be a lot shorter than the rest of the they field. Better. Right. And they both are going to be going after each other. I feel like I don't think either one of them is going to let the other go early. I, I'm with you on that, but I also think that Nash is much faster than everybody in this race. And I, I think he's going to be, you know, a lone speed type, especially with next level out. Um, not that that horse was really going to challenge Nash, but it, it was just another horse in the race that, that he had. Um, but I, I really, you know, I, I really think they, they figured out that they did this horse a disservice by not kind of being aggressive in the gun runner. Um, Beyond that, I'm not really too enamored with Track Phantom, even though um, he beat Nash last time. Yeah, I prefer Nash to Track Phantom also much. And what the what concerns when they force the issue and what concerns me is if they try to force it too much, if they overcompensate because last time they weren't able to get out there and they go a little too fast early or do have a little other pressure. If that were the case, I actually think. And I, if it were a bigger field, I would want and maybe one other pace pressure, uh, pace horse to pressure it. But I do think like all the four, five, and six would be in- interesting horses if the race shaped up a little better. Uh, the one I like the most would be the five, Ethan Energy. His race was was really good. It, it, his win was very good. He was in the clear. He just was four wide. He made a big sweeping move to the lead and he drew off. And it was his first start going long. And Brad Cox puts him in here along with Nash. So he has to feel like this horse won't be completely disgraced and likes the fact that if no Nash does get maybe softened up on the front end, Ethan Energy could come closing. Um, yeah, like I liked him the best of the others. I, I like him more than Track Phantom, to be honest. I, I'm with you. I, I don't really like Track Phantom in here. I'm going to try to beat him. But I, I'm looking at, it's just hard because I don't think you can play them here. I'm going to play Can Group in his next start if he runs well in this race, because I don't think he's just a turf horse. If his first two races, he ran into Timberlake and West Saratoga in his second start. And he ran into a sloppy track in his debut. And following that, maybe he's just gotten a little bit better as the distances have gotten a little bit longer. I'm not ready to just say he's not a dirt horse. Actually, he's a half to a horse named flat out speed. Who was a grade three winner who is eight for nine, two multiple winners on the dirt. I like these horses. It's just probably a tough spot with the way it's going to shape up. I'm, I'm not, I, I don't know if it's going to be head and head phantom and Nash because track phantom would probably be okay. Just sitting right off of Nash. If Nash tries to go. Yeah. I, you know, the thing about can group is that's a horse that normally I 
would kind of like in this sort of situation. But the two things that are that are kind of up against it with with Can Group is a the field is small. B usually with horses that are doing this, like where there's real question marks about their durability, I'd want to get a bigger price. And, and yeah, it's and, not and just happen, a bigger field, um, right? Because you know that how many horses yeah, are in the field, right? Yeah, and that's that's also key. And even overall, I I like what we've seen from lat long i think there's been progression from this horse this horse has a nice body That's of the work. horse i like yeah yes. there's nothing wrong with what this horse has done overall so while it is now probably going to be a pretty small field these horses behind the top two on on the morning line they're not bad these next tier of horses they just i don't know if they're going to get the shape in this race but this horse Finally put it all together. I think it was a situation. No, I, I, I think this field is very strong. Me too. Yeah. Um, and that December 17th race, it just felt like a situation where, hey, we're going to be favored in this race. Let's just get a little close. Let's make an early move to the lead. Let's not worry about getting caught behind horses or any traffic. He's been behind Track Phantom and Dornich and horses like that who are faster than him early, he's always going to have a tough time with if they're just a little bit faster than him. And again, it'll come down to trip for him, but he's, he's got some ability. He really does. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think all these horses do. And and that's why I say this, this field is, is pretty strong despite what, you know, it looks like on paper. I mean, obviously you got rid of next level, everybody else, even, even Tizzy Indy isn't disgraceful. <laughs> In this. No, and you know that horse can improve and probably hit the board if if think out the right way. Um, but but the the top four horses in this race are all pretty you know evenly talent wise. So it, it's just a matter of of what kind of trip each one gets. No, a horse like Lat Long we were talking about. It's nice you have four route races of foundation there too at this point of the year. Not many. Many horses have that many races going longer. You see a, a couple of the horses have two and three going longer there. So I thought a fun renewal of the LeCompte, but just one thing really that point. I'm going to mention, um, Barry, and we have to mention in any tracks that we're looking at this weekend, I have to say even Santa Anita, there's supposed to be, there was a little rain on Wednesday night heading into Thursday, and there's supposed to be some this weekend. So oh, whatever no. tracks that you're playing this weekend, just pay attention to the weather and make sure Try not to put stuff in really early if you can, because there might be stuff getting canceled. There might be stuff with weather coming in. It's it's bad all over the place, but just stay tuned and keep an eye on that because this should be a fun card. These are some fun stakes races, and I, I always like checking in at fairgrounds a few times throughout the year at least because uh, all of these races usually have at least one or two vulnerable favorites, and I, I think we have that in, in this sequence again, a couple races where we can take swings against the short prices. Yeah, you know that's 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 what we're doing. We're playing hero ball here. We we want to get the value and and get the money and get out the three G's, and four if you As, count Gino. Oh, there we go, there we go. Uh, before we say goodbye to all of you, I'm sure some of you who are watching this like to play in the tournaments and some of the contests. There's a big one coming up on Pegasus Day. Barry mentioned he might be heading to Gulfstream Park that day. It's a massive contest for Pegasus World Cup, the betting championship. And there are some feeders this week and next week to try to get you qualified so you can win a seat. 
There's an $80 contest you could play on ExpressBet. Um, I'll post some of the more information about it if you follow me on social media. You can qualify for a, a Saturday game. That's a $1,000 game. But you you can actually qualify just for the 80 bucks if you play in one of these feeders. And then you can win your way into the, the big game, which is a $6,000 entry and a massive, massive uh, day. Just huge prizes, um, going to be a star-studded car top to bottom. And that's just a week and a few days away. So for anyone who's a contest player, I know you were a big uh, tournament and contest player before. I saw a big... Uh, full page write-up of you in the DRF one time about the contest and the tournaments. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I used to get after it. That, that I did that for a few years. Um, in fact, I was the first person to win a um, money contest on horse tourneys. So they weren't offering money tournaments for a long time. It was just kind of feeders. And then when they started, you know, uh, offering money, I played and I won. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 gonna try to actually qualify for the BCBC this year. Um, nice. I think that's one of the better tournaments out there. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know those contests are are so great because it it keeps you in action. You, there's a lot of layers to the game as far as strategy, playing against other players, horses you pick, horses you don't pick. So yeah, it's it's definitely a a fun time and 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 definitely test your uh, your and horse analysis or your your acumen with with betting the horses and if you have any questions about some of these if you just heard me talking and you don't really know specifically ask i'll let you know um i'm, I'm going to be helping promote some of these contests with my friends over at santa anita for the next little bit because i know a lot of our people watching these videos and listening would probably be very interested in playing in these and the feeders coming up they're the the really simple format three dollar win place bets on one horse in five different races at Gulfstream. Boom. Really simple. Very, very, very and, uh, simple. So, and those are those are the ones I like the most because everyone's in the same sort of spot. Where I get myself in a little bit of trouble are in the bigger contests because I'm not as much of a trifecta, superfecta player. That's where other people, I think, usually have a major advantage of me in those bigger ones. But in the just picking the horses each race to win, the $2 win place stuff, or you know, like this format, $3 win place, those are the ones where I think it evens the playing field completely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that's really what it's all about is, is it's, you got to outplay everybody else, you know, and you zig where they zag and it, it it's tough. It's, it's definitely a, a really, you know, mental thing and you got to stay in the game the whole time, you know, it's tough, but uh, you know, when you win, it's worth it. We'll be telling you all about that over the next few months. Big contests, big tournaments on the way. That Pegasus World Cup betting championship is on January the 27th. See if you can qualify in the next uh, week and a half or so. Barry, like always, anyone playing in those tournaments, in those contests, you got to get to DRF.com. I'm sure you're using those PPs and the clocker reports and the DRF picks to help making your decisions. Uh, Santa Anita. Gulfstream Park, clocker reports for Santa Anita, for Gulfstream Park. They have shops for all of the big tracks, all of the big racing. And if you need those past performances, remember, you can get them free with DRF bets. Barry, my friend, always a pleasure chatting with you. It was fun to talk some fairgrounds. And then next week, we will have a 
huge card to talk about with Pegasus World <laughs> Cup. And I, I'm pretty sure they're getting those races out early. So maybe we can even record a little earlier in the week. I think they'll be out like Sunday or Monday. Okay. Well, I'm down for it, man. I'm ready. I, I, you know, this is the best time of year for me, you know, just being in Florida because all the good horses are down here. You know, Tampa's heating up with their stakes action. Now Gulfstream's going to do it. So, yeah, it, it's always a good time to be a horse player in the winter in Florida. Thanks again for hanging out with us, folks. Good luck to everyone playing the races at Fairgrounds this weekend. If you ever have any questions about the races, about DRF, about these contests, if you ever want to chat with me or Barry, love to hit. Uh, we'd love to hit it up with you on social media. Give me a follow. Uh, it's me, Gino B, on Twitter. Give Barry a follow at Urban Handicapper, U-R-B-N Handicapper there. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, folks. Have a beautiful weekend. Let's hear that call to post the rock version from my buddy, Joey Cleveland. Let's keep rolling with the Saturday racing. I want to talk about the coast to coast pick five. So these are back now. These are wagers that combine races from Gulfstream Park and from Santa Anita every Saturday and every Sunday. Why I love these. Low takeout, 15%. They are a dollar-based minimum. And if nobody hits it, the thing carries over to the next day. They pay out really well. This week, Gulfstream races 9, 10, and 11. And then Santa Anita races 5 and 6. So let's start with Santa Anita. Or no, let's start with Gulfstream, of course. Duh. Why would I start with Santa? We'll start with Gulfstream races 9, 10, and 11, and then we'll, we'll move to Santa Anita races 5 and 6. Gulfstream race number 9 is the Sunshine Classic going a mile and a 16th on the main track. I like the 2 in here, lure him in. And I really think that it's going to be between the 2 and the 1 Octane, who are going to be your short prices in here. Octane is favored on the morning line, but I do think Octane and Cozieris and Slim Slow Slider and possibly Granted Success could all be flashing speed in here. Even a horse like Cashier Check doesn't want to be too far out of it. I feel like it'll set up really well for Lure Him In. Two starts back, Lure Him In had a nice win in an optional claiming race here. And then last time he got parked six wide going into the turn. He was about four or five wide all the way around the track. It was a brutal trip. To start his career, he won three of his first seven starts, and now he's been on the synthetic and the turf a whole lot more. He had 20 races in a row when he didn't race on the dirt, and this is his best surface, I think. From a speed figure standpoint, he's run a little bit faster on some others, but he's just performed the best overall on the dirt. He could get a nice trip in here. He doesn't have to be way, way out of it either. Lure him in. I'm going to give him a big look. I might single him right off the bat. Uh, 2 one, 6 is how I played it. I usually play one or two. Uh, I usually play like two or three different tickets, a couple small ones, and then one bigger one. Uh, there is going to be a ticket where I'm singling him right away, and we'll see how I, I want to structure the rest of the uh, the races. But very strong opinion and probably the horse who I try to single right off the bat and get things started with. Let's move to race 10 at Gulfstream Park. thought this was a challenging one. You have the number one baby Yoda from the inside who... Burns a good amount of money. I'm going to try to play against him in here. The 7 is going to be my top selection. Loyal Company. This is a 7 furlong dirt sprint. It's an optional 62 claimer. 
Loyal Company comes out of a synthetic race at Turfway last time out. And he had a he would a, a wide trip. He was up to within a couple lengths before fading. In this race, the three inside horses and Super Chow should all be forwardly placed. There should be a lot of pace to chase for him. You start going through some of the horses he's faced. Two starts back, he's behind Ray's Kane, Dr. Venkman, and Post Time, who are all really nice horses there. Post Time come, uh, comes out of that race to win the uh, stakes next out. Ever so mischievous is a grade two winner who had won three in a row. Scotland is a stakes winner. Grade three winner, Ray's Kane. Dr. Venkman is two for three. He needs some pace to run at, but he will come closing. The number seven, Loyal Company. I thought the two let it ride. I will use him because he, oh, oh, I said post time won the let it ride. Post time defeated let it ride, who we just saw in the city of Laurel last time out. He just didn't really fire that day, but he's going to go third off the long layoff. He's proven it's seven furlongs and he can sit off a little bit. So let it rides in the mix for me too, as well as the three capture the lion. You know, he had a sneaky trouble trip. It is not in the running lines at all. He couldn't get to the lead from the rail. He sat just behind the leader, and all of a sudden he moves from second, and he gets shuffled all the way back to dead last. He loses like three or four lengths of positioning. It was brutal. Then he comes through again, angles out, and he just misses second. So now we know he can pass horses. The concern is the seven furlongs. Does he really want to get this trip? I'm going to use two, three, and seven all over the place. What's a really challenging race? I wouldn't talk anybody off. At a better price, Baby Yoda. I'm just going to try to beat him in here. Implementation fits. You also have Deer District, who wouldn't shock me at all. And Super Chow is a very fast horse, but I think seven furlongs is beyond his best. I'm going to use the two, three, and seven in race number 10 at Gulfstream Park. Let's finish up the Gulfstream portion of this coast-to-coast pick five. Race number 11 is a mile turf race for three-year-olds. Going, uh, It's a mile and a 16th on the turf for three-year-olds. I'm going to go to the number the number eight pet mat who actually did get a mile turf race under his belt on December the 9th. He was eighth early in that race. He was about seven lengths off. He got outrun a bit in the middle part of the race, but then he started to show some nice late energy again. And the horse who finished second that day won a maiden special weight race next out with a 78 buyer. Pet mat finished fourth that day in a big field. It was a field of 12 and he's now going to get Lasix for the first time. I think he's going to improve, and he'll run really well in here. I love the fact that he's already got that route race under him. I'm going to include the seven coin vest. This horse is bred really nicely. He has four multiple winning siblings. Two of them were graded stakes winners, um, Wit and Barkley. Both of them won their debut. Wit is grade one placed on the turf and a stakes winner on the turf. Positives there. Uh, Zapata also makes a lot of sense. The dam was a six-time turf winner. It was a multiple stakes winner going long, multiple graded stakes winner going long on the turf. The other one I'm looking at is the three, Mo Suppresso. This horse has two races going a mile on the dirt, and in one of them, he lost to a horse named Track Phantom, who is going to be one of the top two betting choices in the Lecompte. Track Phantom won the Gunrunner stakes over at Fairgrounds most recently. In so I look, I like the foundation in those two races going a mile on the dirt. In fact, one of them was on a sloppy track, so you can probably put a line right through it and just say he didn't like the slop. His damn espresso time one going long on the turf. His two siblings and one of them was a turf winner, and the other only tried turf one time and finished second. I think the three is going to run well in here. 
So I have them 8, 7, 3 as my top tier. I have the 9 Zapata right behind them. The 10, the Dover Spectre, is a half to multiple graded stakes winner, Spooky Channel, who's a 13-time winner. This horse is bred really well. He has five total siblings to race. One of them raced one time. The other raced only two, uh, only two times. And then you have three nice turf-winning sibs. Beautiful turf pedigree here for the Dover Spectre. So if you wanted to go a little bit deeper there, I stacked them 8, 7, 3, 9, 10 in race number 11 at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. So that's the Gulfstream portion of the coast-to-coast. Let's flip over to Santa Anita for races 5 and 6 over at Santa Anita. So to finish up the coast-to-coast pick 5, we go Santa Anita races 5 and 6. The fifth race at Santa Anita is a maiden $50,000 claimer going a mile on the turf course. I like the 6 audible silence. This horse debuted against maiden 32s on the dirt. He was down on the inside. He was third early. He moved up to second within two, but then he ran into traffic. He was down in tight. He had a little bit of room, but he didn't seem to love it down there. And the race was actually pretty good for the level. The winner was a horse named Sharp Lorenzo, who was a maiden special eight dropper, and he actually finished third against winners in his next start. The second place finisher came back to win a maiden 32 by six and a half lengths. The fifth place finisher went over and won a race at Los Alamitos. The seven, Gold Frost, and the eight, we're both in the same race on November the 12th. Now, potential spam, the eight has raced twice since then. Gold Foot has not. Did I say Gold Frost? Gold Foot has not. The seven. And I like him a little bit better. He had a sneaky trouble trip. He got caught in some traffic inside. He had just nowhere to go. And he got some room late, but again, ran into traffic. He's now going to be a first-time gelding. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. You get a jockey switch jumping aboard. I really, really didn't love the ride last time out. Six, seven, eight potential spam who kept trying in between horses on that November 12th race. And his last two haven't been bad against better. He drops, he gets the blinks, and he put and he gets Lasix for the first time. The two would be the other one. Super logical. His races against better going long on the turf were fine, and he should be forwardly placed in here. I stacked him six, seven, eight, two for horses you may want to use in that coast-to-coast pick five at Santa Anita in race number five. Race number six is the closeout leg. I thought a really challenging one. The number five scary fast ride is going to be your favorite, but he's she's not that fast early, and she's a five-year-old mare who only has five career races. So we know she's had some physical issues along the way, but she is the horse to hold off. The three, Diamonds Danzig. If you can toss that last effort, she was just too far back, I think, and, and she was in tough. She wants to be more forwardly placed. She has more speed naturally. And if you look at when Franco was aboard, he always had her a lot closer than she was in her last couple of starts. I'm going to expect him to show a lot more speed in here. She's back with Calbreds, Diamonds Danzig, along with Scary Fast Ride. I have three, five. The two, Lady Marianne. She had to push through the rail last time out. And she was up to second. She was just inside of the leader she tried to hold the rail I think they're going to try to send hard with her from down inside and you have Irish Joaquin who just loves to win races 3-5 for me is the top tier and then I have 1-2 if you wanted to go a little bit deeper there's a look at that coast to coast pick 5 for Saturday every Saturday and Sunday you could play the coast to coast pick 5 from Gulfstream and from Santa Anita $1 based wager 15% low takeout here it is folks 
fight of the night and trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Oh, it's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Let's talk about everything going on in the world of WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW with Dynamite. So next week, Coop, we're going to have our big Royal Rumble roundtable show to preview, go through everyone who's been announced for the Rumble, every possible entrant, surprises, everything that could be. So next week, we'll have a real, real heavy WWE focus. Let's start with AEW. Because uh, as I jump on the show, I've just been arguing and going back and forth with people online. (laughs) And mainly it's because we are coming off a Wednesday night AEW episode where I thought at the end of the show, they had, you know, the match with Hook and with Joe. And in a vacuum, if I didn't know anything about the company and I was just watching that one match, I would think, okay, good. Like they have some plans for Hook now. But we've seen this happen Over and over, I can think of 10 different people, men and women, who have had almost an identical situation to what Hook did, where we saw guys like A.R. Fox go 15 minutes with Kenny Omega, and then nothing. No follow-up. Action Andretti beats Chris Jericho, and then nothing. No follow-up. We got the, the build with Nick Wayne, at least with him, he's in a story, he's part of a faction with Christian. But so many times we've seen this, there's been a great match or it felt like, wow, they're going to run with Dante Martin or they're going to run with Willow or they're going to run with uh, Sky Blue. And then we don't see them for weeks. And that's my frustration as a fan. And that's why I've gotten, I was going kind of going back and forth online because I was talking about the storytelling. This is a TV show. When I watch any TV show, Chad, The characters are there weekly. Their stories are consistent. The show that I'm watching on Tuesday, on Tuesday, those characters are there. I don't have to tune into a different show on Saturday and Sunday to try to follow some of those stories. And then then they never even recap them for me. So that's what's frustrating to me about the storytelling overall. It's never the quality of matches. The matches are always good, right? The matches are usually uh, the only things, honestly. Uh, is what has kept AEW afloat. That and, I mean, no offense, that and signing workers who have come from WWE. Big stars. Yeah, big stars. They did a good job of stacking their roster. Yeah. I find it funny that you shared a piece of X slash Twitter information uh, uh, of you-know-who saying there's just so much going on, so many storylines going on. It, It just gets confusing no I, I mean saying a guy is the number one contender on monday or tuesday and him having a world title match on wednesday is not a storyline that that i'm going to get into well um, a match is a match isn't a story that and that was kind of a debate i was having with someone they said aw tells <clears throat> stories through matches i said well that's fine you can tell a story in a match that's how every match is right every match is a story being told but the the problem is you have to tell stories through your characters, not just through the matches. 
the characters and then the matches because once the match is done, then what? You have no story until the next match. You have to have these people having stories. Somebody said to me, well, maybe their story is that they're not on TV. That's great. You know what? Show me what they're doing when they're not on TV. If they're not on the rest of the match, show me or tell me or remind me, hey, you know what? They're hurt. They're doing their rehab. Here's a quick video of them in the gym. Boom. Or, hey, uh, they're they're upset. They're frustrated with the loss. They want to go back and they want to build themselves up. So they said they're going to go to Rampage and win, you know, three or four matches and then come back here. Tell me what they're doing. I, I'm watching, you know, any TV show right now. Echo is a show I was just watching, you know, on – on Disney Plus or, you know, there's any hundred shows that are on HBO, the Max, Hulu, Netflix, they're TV shows. And that's that I think has been one of the biggest problems I I think AEW has had from the beginning. It's not the talent on the roster. As you mentioned, they have amazing talent, they have incredible talent, men, women, uh, behind the scenes, executives, uh, ring announcers. Incredible talent. They have a good roster of in-ring wrestlers. Tony Khan obviously knows wrestling. He cares about wrestling. And the guy has put up his own money, but that doesn't mean all of it is a good TV show. That's my concern. That That's my only thing. If this was an independent promotion that popped up once a month, sure, everything they would be doing is perfect. But there's just been so little connectivity as of late, and I and I think what's hurt them even more, Chad, is just the extra shows now, the Rampage and the Collision, and now they've never established a separate brand. If somebody's counter to me is going to be, well, WWE does it with Raw and SmackDown, but for the most part, Raw is Raw, SmackDown is SmackDown, and they have separate titles, separate stories, separate things they're shooting for. We don't see someone on Dynamite. Then we don't see them for three weeks. They're on collision, collision, collision. Then they pop back up on dynamite. A lot of people won't understand the story and probably haven't followed. Even if I have, even if you have, there's a lot of people watching that haven't. I just, it's a bummer to me seeing this and actually interacting with the people out there that want to defend that part of it. If you want to defend AEW because you say, I love AEW, they have incredible matches. I'm always interested and entertained by the matches. I'm not going to argue there, but if you're telling me they have a billion stories and great storytelling, I'm going to argue with you because that's not <laughs> true. Well, and, and it's evident that they've, they've been able to maintain their audience, um, which at the end of the day, okay, um, it's better than consistently losing. Um, but, but actually, but they, and even, even your counter uh, there, like, so TV has been not, See, my my metrics for this are your ratings, they're not up. The the ticket sales, Revolution, sure. Wembley, good. Everything else on the week to week, not good. Bad, really bad. We've hear we're hearing stories about how bad. And that what why it's hard is because we're act we don't always need to compare, but to WWE, but the reason why I am comparing is because we can't say this ah, this is a bad period for wrestling. It's not. It's a boom period for WWE. They're doing as well as they've ever done. Every single week, if if they are in a small town in Iowa, they're getting huge crowds and huge sales. It doesn't matter. So I think if AEW could take a step back and work on the week-to-week programming 
and and I will say with all with all of what I'm saying and all my critiques right now, I actually think there were two or three things on the show that showed me they might be ready to tell a story or this is something they're doing a slow build with. But I, I mean, I, I I watched that show last night, and if they come back next week and Hook has a program with someone, let's say you know Hook gets attacked by someone backstage and he's got a few weeks of a story. I'm going to be okay with it. I'm going to say, okay, that's a good job. You've you've at least garnered interest in him, and he's on our TV. If we don't see Hook again for a few weeks, what they just did was absolutely meaningless. It was nothing. It did nothing. I agree. And as, as you said, my counterpoint was it's not growing. Uh, I don't – I understand, like, <clears throat> we have the return of John Moxley this week. Your flagship show is Wednesday night, and I think there's everyone agrees to that. There's no, oh no, the flagship show is Rampage on Friday, or the flagship show is Collision for two hours on Saturday. I understand putting certain people on that Collision Collision show, but now we're talking about that show is getting three hundred thousand viewers as opposed to where did we begin when CM Punk made his debut on collision on saturdays when and you know i'd I'd be fine with a set split roster but but the the problem as a as a viewer if i want to watch someone how do i know which show they're going to be on most weeks or is it just kind of some of the time here some of the time there at least i know if i want to watch la night i'm watching on friday you know and And i think that's on monday there i think that I, I think that it, it's hard to watch a wrestling program or any program on a Saturday evening, football season or not. It just is. I don't expect, and probably you don't either, for these collision ratings to go up much more uh, after the next couple of weeks when we're done with the NFL playoffs. I, I just don't think it's going to, maybe a little bit, but I don't think it's just going to. And, <clears throat> excuse me, take for instance, <clears throat> Excuse me. Take for instance, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, she debuted two weeks ago. Uh, not a debut match. A good promo. And if you wanted to follow her first match in AEW, you had to tune in on Saturday night on Collision. A, a day or two later, <clears throat> how many of us have already forgotten that she's going to work on there? Um, weekends are a different animal. They are. Sunday nights, different animal. We know Saturday nights are. Friday night, it's the start of the weekend. WWE has proved um, that they are a – your most consistent, and you talk about growth, has been SmackDown on Friday nights. But it was smart to bring her back and have a match on AEW Dynamite this past week. Um, You're automatically – it looks like we're putting her in a program with Tony Storm. Okay, are so, so to, we, I will I will quick? say I like that we got Deanna again. Last week I complained she wasn't on Dynamite. This week, or, and she had and she had a she actually didn't even have a promo last week, right? But so this week they give her a match and a promo and the segment with Tony. Did Tony say that's it? that was the best part of the show to me? See, was Deanna, I, I agree? Did, did Tony say she the, was going to punch Tony her segment. in the box? Did she say box. that? And did Deanna <laughs> and Renee? Not be they, able they, to keep it broke. together. It was like watching. It was like watching the old Carol Burnett uh, show. Dude, with, 
uh, Tim Conway uh, would you know, uh, misses uh, uh, the Wiggins, and they would break character, right? You know, like oh watching Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live. I look, kudos to Renee and Deanna for not losing it because the crowd That's did, great. and I popped. It, it was yeah. great. So that was a really, really good segment. And back to the main event. Um, I'm with you. Uh, we've seen this not even really a roller coaster ride with Hook because we saw him uh, a while back. He was this hot commodity. He had the number one T-shirt, AEW. Um, then you had to go to YouTube over the next several months. This was when AEW uh, was doing their Monday and Tuesday YouTube shows. And you had to go on there and not many people were. So if he comes back next week with a program, sure, I'm all for it. Uh, and, I didn't like the way well, the, they well, the, made oh, him look better than Samoa Joe. Well, the, the big thing is, and Samoa Joe's got to be a babyface, right? I mean, the crowd loves the dude. And, I mean, is he a babyface? Is he a heel? What are we doing here with him? I didn't have a problem with a lot of the match until the end. Once Joe, he kicked out of his finisher at one. At one, like, bro. At one, man. So is this? You, if this is the guy that you're going to have win, I, that's fine. But Samoa Joe's finisher has been built as one of the most devastating in years. And I, I don't know what that does for Joe. Uh, Joe still gets the win. And he, and then after the match, when Hangman comes out, Joe runs off. The, the, I liked a lot of it up until the kicking out of the finisher. Because then I actually thought, even right now, You've got six weeks till your next pay-per-view. So really, they do have plenty of time now to tell whatever story they're going to tell with Joe and with Hangman and with Swerve. But if you were truly trying to make this a night for Hook, did they need to come out at the end? Yeah. Why, why not just have Hook there afterwards getting a round of applause? And maybe you have Taz walk in and check on him. And like that's how you go off the air with these two guys and Joe stares back at him. And Joe just kind of nods at him like, okay, you know, that was a good night from you. But we, I don't, I didn't. Do you leave. think this, let me, let me ask you this, you know, do you, did you think this should have been a glorified squash match for Samoa? Now this is his first title defense after winning that's, the title, correct? See, that's the timing of it is off. That to me, that's what's off is that. Okay. Joe should have defended a title probably a couple more times. And then you could have Hook call him out. And then you could have Hook say, hey, I, I have one loss. I have a good record. Joe, you told anyone. Because Joe did say anyone who wants to step up, step up. So, okay, Joe, you said anyone that wants to step up, step up. You know what? Hook cut a good promo on social media. Um, I don't know why they didn't show the full promo. It was 45 seconds long. They couldn't show the full promo on TV. They they cut a little bit of it out. But the I, I liked seeing Hook go a little bit longer. Because we've never really seen him go deep into matches, right? He hasn't had very many long matches. So I like that. And the dude is still young. And he's got something there. It just, to me, it felt the timing was weird. So are you telling me this? You, 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 so you're telling me at the end of this match, did you feel like this was a showcase for Hook or your new AEW world champion? Oh, definitely. It felt like more for Hook. Sure. To I me. Agree. I felt like it was way more to get Hook over than it was for Joe, which I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Is that what you want to do right away with your new champion? Would we, This, 
six months down the line, would it be served better? Or for most people, do they not even care about that? Is Joe like such a made guy because they've known Joe for so long? I don't know. I'm thinking what you were sort of saying. I would have probably had Joe look dominant against just a couple random challengers here on TV over the next few weeks, right? Somebody win a, a number one contenders match, boom, you, you put them in. You have you know a few different people for Joe to beat, and then you have that match with Hook because now I'm I'm. I think me and a lot of other people, just like you said, coming out of this, I'm more curious about what's next for Hook than I am really even than what's next for Joe. <laughs> well, we've got Swerve and Hangman after Joe because they're done with each other, right? That's what they said in the, the two promos. Or Hangman, one of them said, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about Swerve. I'm, I'm coming for the world title. So that lays in the the background uh again i, I say it every week I, I i don't think we're aew is going to change I, I i don't think they're going to overnight or make subtle little changes and build towards more storyline i think this is what they've got this is what they're going with and you either watch it or you don't uh you're gonna get good matches um you're going to see relatively most of the same people on every Wednesday night. Um, there's been several that we haven't seen. Moxley's been going for a while. He was in Japan. Uh, Danielson's been heard. I think he's coming back sooner or later, but you got to watch Collision. They're loading up a Collision show for that. I just, I just think we're in it to, you know, you're going to get a majority of the time, you're going to get good wrestling but not storylines. And I don't think that, I, I think that is the reason why this thing has not been able to grow past a million every week. Cause you can't tell me by looking at that roster that this shouldn't have a million viewers on every Wednesday night. Dude. And, and I, I, two I, years I, I'm ago, I would hear the excuses. I, I'm trying to hear the excuses that, that there's not though. Two years ago, I would have had conflicting. I would have had com- completely mixed signals. Cause I would have, just like you said, I would have said, with this roster, I think they will be. But if they don't change the way they try to tell stories a little bit, they might not be. And that's exactly where we are. They haven't really changed the way they do things. They don't – Mike, what I just keep coming back to is this is a weekly TV show. So right. you can have really good matches. You can have really good in-ring product. But when I'm watching a show, some of the characters are in one place. And then even if another character isn't there – I get to see what he or she is doing, right? He went to go visit his mom and they get into a fight or something like that. I'm not saying you have to show me that type of thing here, but on a TV show, if there are eight characters that are main characters on that show, every week I know something about why what's happening with them. They're on almost every episode. And if they're not, we know why. And that's that's just what I want to see a little bit more from here. And I And I wish... I wish they could use AE Dynamite, AEW Dynamite and just say, this is the hub. This is what everyone watches. So let's make sure that all of our stories are branching out of this. And and some of them will get a full segment on, AE, on Dynamite. Others will give you a 30-second or a one-minute video package to recap it, to let you know what happened. Hey, something happened earlier backstage. This happened a couple days ago when they were training. Just little stuff like that, and I, and I think it would be so much better for them. Like, let me give you a perfect example. The opening match, 
damn, I thought that was kind of fun with Christian and uh, and Goldust with with Dustin Rhodes. It remind I I kept watching the match and in my head I kept trying to think of like, man, have these guys come across each other before or did we get Goldust and Christian and all? Like I kept thinking about that and they didn't have to do a bunch of high flying, but they did. It wasn't like a slow rest hold of a match. It was a good match. Why couldn't we have had Dustin win a couple matches though? Just the last few weeks on, on dynamite before this, that's, that's all. And the thing about it was coming out of this, you know, Oh, he could still go because of his age. But now what for him? But now (laughs) what for him? I should have been thinking this about Dustin going into that match. I should have been thinking, are they going to give Dustin one more run up there? Maybe, you know what they've like, that should be what I'm thinking in my head. Not after the big match, it should have been building it to before the big match. At least they're doing that. And and with Deanna right now, I'm concerned because you put her in the match with Tony. If she doesn't win, then what? Right. Then what? That's yeah. That's a good point. But a good point. I will say at least the timing of it right now, They've got six weeks between now and then to make Deanna look strong, to build her up. And it won't just be, oh, she's facing her next week, she loses, and then she's Ruby. It's true. So, I don't think they can afford that with her either. No, I mean, they it, can't. If, if you're under the impression that you're not going to get Sasha Banks, I, I, I don't think, or Mercedes Monet, whatever. Uh, maybe they are, and they're just holding off, and they're waiting for the pay-per-view or whatever. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't see them taking the title off of Tony this soon, um, but I definitely like the fact that they were getting a good build towards Deanna and Tony. I, I think it's it's what this division needs. It's good. Um, uh, it, and it's definitely some stability and shows that uh, we, we've got some good players here in this division. Now, just make make me see Deanna beat one or two important Ladies on the roster between now and then. That's what I need to see. We need to see her. She just had one over Anna J. We need her get one or two more nice wins. And I don't did have they announced this as an actual match yet or no? I don't think no, so. No, I don't believe so. No. So then then they gotta put her put her in a number one contenders match, right? Let her win a match against someone, earn it, and then you just sort of feel a little bit better that now, oh, okay, we've seen Deanna four or five weeks in a row before she gets her big match. And for as critical as I was to start this, really good with Tony. That's yes, fun. Very good. It's funny. That was my They're, favorite segment of the night. Me too. And I thought Deanna's match was good. And I'm glad that they brought her back and, and did a real like kept following up with her on Dynamite and didn't just leave her off on collision. Really good stuff there. With Jericho, they interview him backstage. They had a, a match on Dynamite, or they had a match on um over the weekend. And now what they're gonna do, they're gonna have a match on Rampage. Which is nice because they can edit to cover the booze oh, yeah. on those yeah. tape delayed stuff. So s- smart thing there. Um, I I with the the devil and the the kingdom and all this stuff and the undisputed kingdom. I don't. It just feels it's, to it's, me like it feels like it's miles away. Yeah, I, I. It feels like it just happened so long ago. We don't even care about it. I, I think it was a dud. And you because know, we are with a promo with with what Roderick or not Roderick but with uh, Adam Cole and Wardlow, Wardlow right? there was a and promo, yeah. We had uh, Roderick with Orange Cassidy for a little bit. He said he's gonna 
I always love when the heels do this. And I and remember, I got mad at Nakamura for doing this too. So I, I'm consistent about this. Nope, I'm not going to take the title match right now. What? <laughs> I'm going to take the title match in six weeks. What? In six weeks. It's like, and you're no going to have to think about it all the time between <laughs> now and then. What? And if we have to coexist, we'll just have to coexist. So... <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I would I would imagine that the way they're telling the story, Roderick probably wins that. But yeah, for whether sure. whether it's a little bit of bad luck or or planning, Adam Cole's hurt, MJF's now hurt, and those are the two main guys in the storyline. And they they're not even there to wrestle or to fight or to have any court of comeuppance. So now, right now. We never got to really see the MJF come back and be mad at Adam Cole yet. We, we, we're going to have to see that at some point. Then Wardlow and, and Cole are going to have to have some sort of a thing, right? Because if Wardlow is going to win the title and then have to give it to Cole, but all these things involve Cole and he's not ready to go right now. So I think it's a little bit difficult that you're, you're kind of building those things to him, but it, it feels like really generic heel group. And I'm, I'm, I, Adam Cole's been fine. His delivery and stuff is always okay. There's just nothing unique really about this. And and um did they get like a discount on mustache grow or something? What the hell is with everybody's mustache? This gotta be an inside yeah, joke, know. right? It's this like has be to be something backstage right? to pop the boys or something. Because <laughs> if now we'll talk about the young bucks in a second. If they were doing the mustache thing, it's part of their character that they're doing right now, right? They're doing this, like, bad guy character, so they have these mustaches. I get it. So then wouldn't you say, hey, Hangman, hey, Roderick, we can't do the mustache thing right now. The Young Bucks are doing it. They're doing it part of their characters. It's going to just come off a little bit weird if we have four different people on one show <laughs> doing a mustache thing. Everyone's going to be wondering what, why we're doing it. They're going to think you guys are aligned, especially with Hangman. You're, you were like the elite. They're doing the mustaches. So are you supposed to be a bad guy now too? Or because you're growing the mustache in? I, this is like um, Jimmy Corderas, the w, former WWE referee. Former, uh, he, yeah, yeah. He, he talks about this all the time. He does his own shows. I think he has a ref and rant show. He does a show with uh, Brian Hebner. Um, the uh, Earl's son And then he's also on the uh, the Wrestling Inc. podcast At least once, a couple times a week And he talks about this with the AEW a lot um, And And it's It's frustrating with the with the consistency and, and that's just one thing That we've we've continued to see Over and over Week in and week out And when a guy like Jimmy mentions it Because he knows he's been a WWE referee He's been you know watching He's been seeing And he will point out why were there four finishes where a guy hit a power bomb for the win on one Ooh. show? You know, and it, yeah. I'm not I'm not even saying that that happened last week, but those are things that happen too often. It's almost like there's people in different segments and there's not one person that's talking to everybody overall. Like there's no pre-show meeting that they have to say, "Oh hey, and uh, that doesn't make sense because we're going to do that in the next segment." There's got to be like an a, someone with an a set of eyes and that's just over watching over everything and pointing things out that may not fit. And it, I just go through so many of these shows and it's like, Oh, very good match. But oh, that was, nah, that could have been better after the match or that could have been cleaner or that could have been smoother. So 
Um, talk about how much things have changed in one year. A year ago, we couldn't even say the Briscoes' names on TV. And <laughs> one of the best parts of this show was this really honest tribute that they had to Jay Briscoe, who passed away. And his brother was out there, and the family was out there. And this is a thing, whenever they do something like this on on wrestling shows, it plays really well because you can just feel how honest it is. You can feel it's not fake. You can feel there's no scripting of this and you could just feel the raw emotion here. And I thought this, you know, on, on this show was, was something that, that like struck me. And I thought they did a really good job with it for as much as I, I give them crap about things that I think they deserve. The what's happened in the last year uh, has been good for Mark Briscoe getting to be seen as much um, even though I thought he could have won another match or two in the Continental Classic, I thought the tribute here was was good, and I'm glad they took a few minutes off the, on their show to to pay tribute. Yeah, uh, I, I thought the same. It was it was very classy and something that needs to be done um, more often with those that uh, have been lost within the professional wrestling community, uh, whether a worker, referee. Uh, promoter, what have you. Um, I, I do think that uh, I agree with you. Um, they they gave they gave Mark, and it's hard because this guy has been brought up in a tag team for a majority of his life, and that's really really hard thing to do is to do something that you're not used to, not that you're capable of. Uh, or not capable of it, but it's really, really hard to be a tag team gimmick for a majority of your working life in a profession, and then that's taken away from you, whether good or bad, and be put in a single situation. They didn't really do him any favors in the tournament. Uh, yeah, they gave him a platform and said, okay, this guy can really go. Again, that's something, you know, if you like Mark Briscoe, you're going to have to watch our Ring of Honor tapings, you know, online. Um, and follow that. But uh, at the end of the day, this was a very classy thing for AEW to do. Kudos. Young Bucks. Now, I'm going to give some mixed feelings on this. Um, okay. I'll go with the positives first. Positive, I like that they're trying something because the entire time they've been in AEW, they haven't really had a character at all. They've just been like good tag team wrestlers. We never hear them talk. We never hear them really have emotion. We never have hear them have reasoning. It. I never thought they wanted to do anything more than just go out there and have a couple of good matches. Do I love the characters? No. Do I not necessarily yet? Do I think that it was kind of all over the place? Yeah. But but here's what I'll say. This is the first time they're trying something really different in a while. It and they're probably not completely comfortable with it. So I will give them a little benefit of the doubt on this. I like the attempt. I don't think it's a perfect character yet. And I'm I'm not sure what's going to happen between now and the Sting and Darby stuff. But I at least appreciate the approach here, Chad. Because I think so many times these guys and Kenny, they didn't establish anything about their character, about story. They were just, we were really good wrestlers. Uh <laughs> I have more negative than positive. I, 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 I'm well, I, I don't on. like the what they I don't really love what they did. I just appreciate trying something, you know, like That's just true. trying That's something. True. But I, it was it's really the, like, I, I know, right? 
yeah, it's like over the top young bucks. And look, maybe that's how they are. And they are like that. And a lot of times throughout their storylines and careers uh, that they get involved in. Um, we haven't seen a lot of them lately, but here we are. We're cheesy. We're the EVPs. Ray, did you get your paycheck this week? Uh, the Matthew and Nicholas Jackson. Uh, okay. I, I thought that was, I think that's pretty funny. I thought we were already set that these who these two would be uh, in the final uh, match with, or in I the know, match with what... Sting, which is his final match. And then last night they led you to believe, well, we don't know yet, but we, you, you know, we are the EVPs. So it was a little confusing. I just thought this was a given after they interrupted last week. See where we go with the heel young bucks with the mustaches, but um, they they definitely have a different look now. You know, they're going for something different. Let's see if they can stay consistent with this and they can kind of form form it better. But I appreciate I appreciate the something because they were just floundering. Now can they yeah. can they make something out of this? I I guess we're gonna have a full six team six person group with Jay White, Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and the acclaimed. The acclaimed were the most overact a few months ago, and now we have two trios teams with titles because that's what's needed. Uh, hopefully, we'll, this will lead to these teams facing each other and just the the belts becoming one set of belts. You don't need two sets of trios belts there. Um, we talked about Deanna Perrazzo, talked about Jericho, uh, Top Flight had a quick match, uh, Martin and. Uh, Darius versus Private Party. This was actually fun, and these guys, yeah. ten minutes. These these short. are young teams yeah. that we're, I'm sure we'll see them go quite a bit um, in the in the coming years. So AEW coming out of this show, biggest question we'll ask: What's next for Hook? Are we going to have a follow up for him? Are we going to have something ready, a program for him? Hopefully that's the case because I think they did a good job with him. Now. It's always what's next. We we say the same question as we move over to WWE. We, we say the same question every time somebody wins a title. Now what's next? Same thing we can ask with Hook. Man, uh, I just mentioned this from, from SmackDown because we saw Grayson Waller and LA Knight on. <laughs> I was, how funny was this? If anyone has not seen this clip, it was like the Vader and Undertaker stuff back in the day. Uh, there was a, a talk show. And one of the guys on the talk show tried to act like a little tough and tried to do the old, oh, wrestling's not real thing. And Grayson Waller went off. And Waller was going to choke this dude out. And the whole time, LA Knight's just chilling in the back. Just yes, sitting, on the couch. Just chilling. Like, like it's not bothering him at all. Like, he's seen this a million times. I, I thought for something... As like a little clip, this was such a great promo for WWE, right? Just these guys, like LA Knight looking cool, Grayson Waller looking like an evil heel. I love this. Oh, what Waller tweeted out a photo of Dr. D, David Schultz. Remember when he popped John Stossel on 2020? And what was uh, it? Was it Hogan leading into WrestleMania and uh, him and Mr. Yeah. T? Remember Hogan put somebody in a sleeper? And the guy got yeah, passed yeah. out on, on TV. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it was like yeah. Regis Philbin or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Was, to sit there and watch L.A. Knight's face. I had to go back and watch it a couple of times. And just L.A. Knight's like his eyes get big. Like, oh, no, is this is about to happen. 
This is really about to happen. Grayson Waller, how, how, how many times have we've sung his praises over the last six or seven months? And he dealt with a with a leg injury and couldn't work and got drafted. And we were like, wait a minute, he's hurt. He can't get, why are they drafting him? Now we know why. This dude is special. He really, he really is special. Now we've, uh, we had a, a SmackDown storyline running through the whole show where Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and LA Knight were going to face the Bloodline, Jimmy and Solo, and Paul Heyman needed to find a partner throughout. Unfortunately, <laughs> he couldn't, and it ended up being a uh, two-on-three match where our baby faces were ever going, or we're always going to get the win. They were. It was kind of a way to punish the heels for getting involved all the time. And uh, we have Randy, AJ, and LA Knight. So where they stand right now, Chad, we're just a week and a half away from the Royal Rumble. What do you think ends up happening coming off of in on this match? Do you think it's going to be Roman retaining? Do we get Randy Orton winning and going in a different direction? Right now, if I gave Chad Cooper uh, 50 bucks and said you could bet, and you, but you have to bet on the winner of this Royal Rumble match, who would you bet? Oh, man. Uh, I, I think Roman retains. I, I don't think, I think so we've too. come this far. I don't think we've come this far for him to give it up in this type and of And not get not beat. saying that, that Orton, L.A. Knight, or A.J. Styles is worthy. I think that is a WrestleMania story to tell. And it's easy to book Roman. It's easy to say that Roman needs to lose or should lose in this type of match, regardless, you know, if AJ Styles gets pinned, whoever pins him's the champion. There's an out for that in Reigns. But if they do, I would be shocked. I, I just think Roman walks out of there with this title. Now, not to jump over to Raw, but there is a huge question mark if Seth Rollins is legitimately injured or not. Yep. Now that's where things get really, really interesting. But in this front, Roman retains, he's got to. And that's where things may have to shift. I agree with you. I think Roman wins this and um, coming off of a uh, SmackDown, a couple other things to mention. Austin theory had an injury, but um, so they did stop the match there. Just something to keep an eye on with Austin because him and Grayson have been kind of paired together for a while. But what I like is we're starting to build up Carmelo and they're telling a story with Carmelo on SmackDown now, which is a a major positive. Next week on SmackDown, we have Chance and Carter versus Alba Fire and Isla Dawn. So that women's tag team division keeps getting built up and we're getting more and more strong teams of women starting to debut even on Raw. We talked a little bit about them. I think there's still work to be done, but Candice and Indy are a team now, and Shayna and Zoe are getting more and more TV time. Uh, next week, we're going to see KO, the KO show with Logan Paul and the Royal That'd Rumble contract signing. That'd be really good. Yeah, yeah so. That'd be really good. Um, anything else to mention from SmackDown that I want to pull? Let's see. A lot of the show throughout was, you know, Heyman talking to different people. We did hear from Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits and we are going to build to a feud, it looks like, with Karrion uh, Cross and with his group, The Final Testament. That's the name that they're going to be going with. The name was trademarked earlier. Bianca picked up a win over Bailey, and uh, there's a solid episode of SmackDown. There was some progression with Tyler Bate and the Butch story. They were talking a little bit there. Oh, yeah. So 
again, just I think lots we're of going back to Pete Dunn. Don't you I think, think so we're going too. Back to Pete Dunn here pretty soon. Yeah. Absolutely, I think so. I think he's going to go back to the uh, to the bruiser weight. Let's get on over to WWE Raw. So you were kind of teasing this. The main event of Raw was Seth Rollins versus Jinder. Got a good match out of it. Jinder uh, did a nice job. Same sort of thing though. We saw Jinder show up with The Rock. I would have liked to see Jinder either. It's a timing thing. I get it. Because what I could see what they did after they put Jinder out there with The Rock, they were like, "Oh man, there are a lot of people that just saw Jinder. You know, we could do something with him right now." Where you know there were a lot of eyeballs with him. I would have loved to see him win a match or two before the title with Rollins. Right, just have him pick up a whatever it is, or just a few weeks on TV where he's he takes Rollins out. Anything. It doesn't even have to be winning matches, but just a few things to build the story to him. Because now I feel a little bit bummed about Jinder loses this, and now you kind of wonder, do they have something for him next? Or do they have something ready for him? I would have loved to have him get a few weeks of a build to the match and then be uh, be finished. But coming out of the match, set is apparently hurt. We don't even know now, a few days later, how hurt. But wow, would this throw a real wrench into... All of their WrestleMania plans. Um, they do have a ton of top talent, so we could see Cody could go with Punk or Drew could slide in somewhere. I mean, there's a lot of people they could use, but it does feel like that Cody, uh, like that Punk Rollins match, was dead set for Mania this year. Yeah, we could we could finally see Damian Priest uh, with a cash in again. He's out there teasing it <clears throat> again as he was on Monday, but we're really left out in the cold here, so to speak, um, whether it's a work, uh, it's a shoot, I don't know, but boy, if he's out for any amount of time, that really convolutes some things over here. Like you said, the good part about it is there's several options, uh, several options. Uh, there's Drew McIntyre, that, that guy needs to be put in the mix. He's doing some of his best stuff here over the last couple of weeks or so. Um, you know, fingers crossed there's nothing wrong with Seth. Hopefully there's not. Um, but they've been sure quiet about not bringing that up. And usually WWE does a pretty decent job, whether someone's going to be out or, you know, they've they've going to see a doctor. We really don't know. Hopefully by next Monday, we'll know something we'll hear from Seth. But fingers crossed here because, man, uh, uh, you definitely don't want to lose anybody during the WrestleMania season, especially when it's just now starting to take off. And I think you pointed something out right now. I think Drew McIntyre is the best thing in wrestling right now. Oh, dude, he's on fire. He he's, is on fire. There's nothing that he's doing or saying that's that's false. He everything he, he's he saying is the old Gino card. Just wants do act like you would like this was real life, right? Just what you tell would say me. in real life. Situation. Exactly. Just act exactly. <laughs> and what I love is that. He interacts with Cody to start the show and he even says, Cody, like, I don't, I don't dislike you. I'm frustrated about what happened with, uh, with Uso. You brought him over here, but you and I were buddies. We were a tag team. We were the champs. We were the dashing ones. He brings this up. <laughs> they were 23 and 24 years old. And, and they, he said, you know, they, they did almost the exact same thing. They both completely left the company and what did Drew say? We became undeniable that they called us back and all of it was true. And, you know, he said, Cody, my last match before I came back was with you. 
they even brought up an indie match that, that they had. Um, and he, he even said, you're going to be the champ, Cody. You're going to finish your story, just not before I finish mine. And, <laughs> and it was really, really good. Cody came back, uh, and Cody spilled his guts. He said, this is not an act. I smile because I love it. I made these opportunities. I like what's going on here. Um, we see two guys. It's so funny because this is just like a microcosm of life. Almost the same exact thing has happened to these these guys. But one of them wants to use it as fuel as a good guy, and the other one is bitter and mad, and he's now becoming a villain. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it's, it's so good, man. And this is what I'm talking about with the storytelling. They're bringing up stuff from years ago, stuff that we know but they're reminding us about. Drew has a story. Cody has a story. CM Punk has a different story. Co- uh, Drew has different feelings about Jey Uso, about Punk, about Cody, all of them. He has completely different feelings. We've heard him say completely different things about them. That's a real person. I don't feel the same way about two people. This one guy, I hate his guts. You're cool. You're cool. Screw you. I love, you know, it's the it's the thing from <laughs> half fake where you're going around, you know? But it, I, I've, I've been so pleased with the Drew character. I think the between Drew, Punkin, Seth, and then and then the freaking Judgment Day, and our truth, and our truth, man, our truth is selling shirts in the parking lot. He's got a stack of cash. <laughs> our truth is now part of the the AI of the big graphics that come in on their entrance, and he's he's off in the corner. This. This is just another one of those things where you could plan something out. I think I heard somebody say this about the Tony Storm stuff on AEW, and I completely agree. You can pitch something in a meeting backstage, but you could never in a million years think it would go that well or that it would all come together and be that funny. And the and that's what's happening with the Judgment Day right now with this R-Truth stuff. If somebody would have pitched this in a meeting, like, oh, okay, that's going to be cool or but the way our truth, everything he does is so funny. And it's not, it's not like cringy funny how sometimes our truth would be through the years, or maybe Santino would be sometimes. This is just really good stuff, man. And again, I don't know where they're going with it, but our truth and Miz have a tag match. And <laughs> when when the guys come out, our truth it comes up and starts celebrating with them. Before the match, even though he's about to wrestle against them. And Miz is looking at our truth like, what the hell are you doing? It was just great stuff, man. Really great stuff, huh? Didn't didn't the R Truth over the weekend he went to see his son play basketball or something like that? And uh he scored like something career point deal in R Truth is uh, he may be in college, maybe in high school. I, I think they were sure. giving his son an award, right? He hit a certain amount of points. Yeah, right. Yeah, in, in a college game, right? And the coach or the team says, you know, we want to thank you, WWE superstar, you know, our truth, who's also a member of WWE's Judgment Day. Just it's great. Played out there. And, and, even... and, and then there's then there's fan on Twitter was like, you know, hey, you know, maybe this guy does fit in with us because he's paying everybody off and these T-shirt money. It's just no, you could plan this and it not happen as good as this. So... I, I, the dudes, uh, the dudes just you, 
just must see TV. Everything he has been a part of. Tom and Nick Mysterio. He says Tom and Nick Mysterio. Yeah, and there's a he's T-shirt still, now in the WWE shop zone. That, you can't that find you, Tom. You can buy him now, and I'm, you know, it's just incredible. It's just incredible what the. I'm glad he's given a platform every week because, again, this brings just another layer to an onion that you're trying to peel. Right? You have no idea. It's not to be taken serious seriously, but when the guy's in a tag match against them and he comes out with the opposing team, that's hard to beat. <laughs> that's so, just hard to beat, dude. So good. Um, hey, man, it feels like Ciampa and Gargano are getting over now. Oh, Hearing man. the crowds are getting behind Great them. Ma- that was a good match, and they, really? they were over. And these guys are they're getting there. I could I would not be shocked if we could if we saw them win the tag team titles at WrestleMania, right? The way they're getting built right now, they might be on that road. Um, really nice stuff there. Uh Indy and Candice pick up the win over Chelsea and Piper. I'm like you said, I'm not quite sold yet on Indy and Candice, but same thing I was saying with the Young Bucks before. I appreciate that they're giving us more women's tag matches, more teams, and they're trying to build this division up. So I think that's a positive. And I actually kind of think they're doing this because I think they they want Chelsea to be maybe a singles. I, I yeah, we're we're getting something here. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I I could yeah, I see her being a singles and maybe. You have just Piper as her, you know, like her valet, or, or Piper could be the the strong for her until they inevitably I turn. See, I could see, you know, Chelsea has not had very good a very good Royal Rumble record, right? Uh, you know, she's been eliminated relatively quick, quickly. Oh yeah, the last couple of Royal Rumbles, and even before when she came in when she was NXT, you know, before she got hurt. She was very quick. I could see her in the final four or five being in there as being that one hill with Becky and or you know, I agree. someone else. You know, I think she I, should. I just could. And that's something you need. That's something you need. She's really good in the ring. We know what she's good, you know. With and the they need to show that. They need to let her show that yes. in, a, in a spot like this, right? Because yes. she yes. doesn't have to be pinning everybody in the match. She can just be holding on and barely squeaking by, and then she's hiding in the corner yes, for a little bit, right? The and then she's yes. under the ring, and she ducks out here. Yeah, all of those things. She could use all the different heel tactics, but then show you in little spots throughout that she's athletic and she can go. She's not bad in ring. It's just her character isn't supposed to be a great, tough, badass girl, right? That That's the difference. Sure. So. In the Rumble, you can let her show some things without having to pin Becky and pin Nia. You know, um, speaking of which, Becky, did Becky just come out and give us the WrestleMania match here? Did she basically just tell <laughs> Rhea, like, she kind of, she cuts a promo. Um, and I, I got to say, too, it was fine. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the Becky and Rhea stuff if whenever we get it. Rhea just felt like a bigger star than Becky in the ring. I thought yes, at least when Becky We talked about this. This is going to be an odd spot. If this, if this is the match, this is going to be an odd spot for Becky and or Rhea. And if Becky goes over Rhea at WrestleMania, it's not, it's not going to be all fun and games for the 60, 70, 80,000. That's going to be in attendance because Rhea is just, again, remember when she was just kind of floundering around with the title and you know with edge with judgment day she made this group from day one she did of all people 
Remember, Edge was in this group, right? And they turned on him. Uh, I, I just think Rhea has been the player for the Judgment Day, and eventually it's going to lead to a breakup sooner rather than later. Um, she's just these house she's these house shows she's in, playing with the crowd, and just whether she's valeting with Dominic uh, or his manager, and then in a match, the way she's pinning wrestlers and house shows, she knows how to work it. And she, good for her because you talk about somebody who struggled at the beginning when they brought her up to the main roster. Remember how, and you said it last week, remember how cringy her promos were? They were awful. Now look at her. She don't have to say but three or four words and, you know, we we bend the knee for her. So, again, kudos, Rhea, Rhea's, this definitely felt like a bigger star than Becky on Monday night. We only have a few minutes left, so I'm just going to mention quickly uh, some things that happened. Um, Bronson Reed promo. I think that they will set him up for something at the big Australia show because he's from Australia. Maybe a match with the Gunther. Him and Gunther. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Gunther came back. Gunther was back. And he he announced that he's going to be in the Rumble. So Gunther, remember, was the uh, the runner up in the Rumble, and he lasted the entire way before Cody beat him. You imagine Gunther will have a big run. Maybe that they'll set up a match that we've been hearing teased for a while. Uh, Brock Lesnar as a possibility. Maybe that's something that will come. We uh, sure. we then uh, we saw Xavier come back. He had a match with uh, Ludwig. They're building up Ludwig, I believe, a little bit here. We talked man, about that the guy's Becky. a star, isn't he? Woo, man, Ludwig, he's good. He's really good. Is maybe he the guy that they're gonna have beat Gunther? I don't know, man. Right? I, I tell you, there's something special with him. They've got something there with this guy, and the crowd likes him too, even though he's a you know he's a heel. There's something there. I, I w- would you be okay with a with a Gunther versus absolutely uh, match? I think they've done okay. a, the last few months. I think they've done a really good job with him. I completely agree okay. with you. He to me feels like a like someone who could be an absolute single star. Mentioned Zoe. Did you see him maybe in the final seven or eight at the Royal Rumble too? Maybe he, he maybe he eliminates Gunther. Maybe good. that's how it happened. Ah, good call to set good it call. up. Right. Um. That that could absolutely be. A uh, really good another segment with Nakamura and the promos yeah. and just again, I thought it was a, a good aura from him there. Uh, next week we got Rhodes and Punk face to face. Ivy Nile versus Valhalla. Chad Gable versus Ivar. Drew McIntyre versus Priest. That was Monday Night Raw. Just a couple things to mention before we get out of here from uh, Smack or from NXT. Koopa Loop on NXT. Oba Femi, man, this dude comes out. I knew he was big. He looked like one of those really athletic, young, big wrestlers that WWE might sign. That was like a football player, someone that was, you know, maybe raw. Who knows what they're going to be in the ring. This dude was good in ring. I had no idea he could cut a promo like he did. He is going to be an absolute star on the main roster sooner than later. Uh, I would have never thought, you know, it just seems like yesterday we were being introduced. Uh, he was being introduced to us, uh, during the breakout tournament when they were all on the stage there and we were like, okay, yeah, I, I wouldn't have picked him to win. Uh, definitely didn't pick him to win the title, but star it is a star is born over a matter of what, four or five weeks. I, and just, they I keep think- turning them out, man. They do. And he sounds like he's going heel, but I don't even know if he's going to get booed because he's one of those guys that's like, he's so big and it's, 
He's not, I mean, he was trying to weasel out of this match, but when he's in ring, there's nothing weaselly or a heel about him. He's just a huge (laughs) badass that you want to cheer for. So the brick house, man, he is unbelievable. Just an absolute like freak of nature. When you look at the size and his ability, his talent, overall package, this dude's going to be a star and they're setting up for trick Williams and Carmelo to likely be in the finals of the dusty cup. And then that same show as the main event trick will face Dragonoff. So that'll be a yeah. huge night for trick where he'll probably open the show and close the show. And I think it's going to be <laughs> trick and uh, Carmelo. It's got to be against, it has to be against Braun yeah. and Corbin. The wolf oh, died. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> These guys were amazing. Did you see, did you see Corbin's face when he said what it? It's dogs? like, he's never heard that before. It's like, he, this was the first time. This is definitely Steiner DNA promo, right? And he, <laughs> I mean, holy cow, was it bizarre. It was so good. This is, again, I didn't think Braun had this in him. I didn't. No. He, I will say. No. He didn't have this in him a year ago. Period. No, he right? didn't. I agree. When he was just the baby face at the beginning, a lot of the problem was that his segments were boring. His character was not eh. And then he'd have these great matches. But now, sure. he was a be- in the last year, he went from being a white meat baby face to a scary, scary heel, to now he's kind of like a frat bro. You know? (laughs) It's it's been great. And that was, I thought that was hilarious. I absolutely loved it. Um, Not sure, they keep telling the story with Ridge Holland. We'll see what happens there. But I did just want to mention that uh, it's a bummer for Cora Jade because it looked like Cora Jade was getting that. A big push. She came back after a few months. She had a new character, a kind of not new, but like a new look. And now she's going to be out for a while. And they had Roxanne end up winning. And it, it sort of felt like a situation where, okay, well, we had plans. We're going to have to change them. We can just put Roxanne in there because we know she'll get a good match. But it doesn't feel like it's Roxanne's time to win the title. And it did. It did almost feel like it was going to be Cora's time. Like I, I actually thought she was going to beat beat Lyra. Now I don't. I don't think Lyra should lose if it's just to Roxanne as Roxanne being a fill-in. I agree. Uh, I, I totally agree. I, I, I'm with you. I think you spot on yesterday or Tuesday night when we were having a, a conversation about this. I think this was Cora's spot. Um, I. I, I Man, just you hate injuries like this. You know, that's why we're so like holding our breath with with Seth Seth. Rollins, because remember, you know, he's been in this situation before at a house show with Kane. Remember, he tried to power uh, power bomb Kane off the, you know, uh, maybe the second rope, third rope and end up uh, blowing a knee. Um, We'll see. We'll see, because I think you and I both have agreed that this hasn't been the best NXT Women's Championship run. Uh, and it, and their the division of champions. is stacked and has a lot of talent. So you just you feel like they could do a little bit better either with Lyra or setting up challengers for her than they have. So I think there's still some to be desired right now. I, I just wanted to mention one more thing, and then we're done. JBL, that was an awesome like 
baby face <laughs> promo. Yeah. It almost felt yeah. weird because I'm so used to JBL being an asshole, right? Like he's not. <laughs> I kept waiting for like, what's something he's gonna do something mean or say? No, he was just trying to pump up Briggs, and I think we're gonna see some sort of a character tweak or change for Briggs following that. It was like. Whoa, JBL was just being nice? That was strange. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're used to just to him being a total ass. Exactly. Uh, but it, it, it's it, it's good to see, look, whatever you think of JBL, he's been a favorite of mine for a long time. Uh, I, I, I read his book. You know, he, he was a financial advisor for a while, but he's from the great state of Texas, played college football. He's got a he's he's just been one of those guys. He's what former WWE world champion. I've loved his gimmick. Um, he's a pro wrestler, man. He gets it. He gets yeah, pro wrestling. He is a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah, he he's a wrestler's wrestler. And it was good to see him do something like this uh, in NXT. Coop down to eight in the NFL playoffs, and we had some young yeah, guns man. last week balling Ooh. it up. Stroud, Love, they looked awesome. Um, we got a big game with Mahomes going to the Bills. That's been a cool rivalry over the last few years now. We had freezing cold weather games. Do you have any thoughts on uh, <laughs> on this week before we let you go? We've got reporters asking Bulls uh, how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to do in the cold at Detroit this weekend. Oh, my God. That was so you know, funny. We, he said, <laughs> you mean for the five minutes when we walk from the bus into the stadium? <laughs> Look, uh, look, I've asked some dumb questions before in plenty of press conferences. Believe me, I but but that was that was bad, man. You know, some of these spreads are really, really high. You know uh, what? As you said, you know what some of these quarterbacks and young teams have been able to do. Uh, we, we knew we knew who the bust were. We knew Flacco was was that was going to crash and burn relatively quick. We didn't think the, the Texans would do something like that, even though we liked the Texans in that spot. I listened to your uh, you and Eric uh, uh, again this morning, your discussion uh, of the the final four games here. And man, you know, Baltimore is a team that their starters haven't played in three or four weeks. Does CJ Stroud come back down to earth? That spread is high. Uh, you have another high spread. Uh, the Green Bay Packers just decimated the Dallas Cowboys, uh, even though I'm thankful that most of the anti-Cowboy fans like me, that Mike McCarthy's coming back for another year. That is fantastic uh, Good news. for me. It makes for great, <laughs> yep. great, it's great news. Um, that, you know, I, I think the Packers, if, if they can avoid the early storm, they could probably compete well. Uh, Buffalo, if you can't beat Kansas City now, uh, they're minus two, minus two and a half at home. If you can't beat them, this is what Mahomes' first real road playoff game other than a Super Bowl. Um, I know everyone's in love with the Detroit Lions. I know they are. Uh, they've got this coach, a Texas A&M guy. He's hard-nosed. Everybody's building up Detroit. And, hey, look, I, de deservingly so. I just think, and I saw in one of the books this morning that spreads even got up to now seven. Yeah, that's the key. That's too high. I, that's too high. I, I, I think that Tampa Bay has found something in a group of of guys um, that are good enough to compete. Baker Mayfield is now likely setting up a franchise 
tag type of situation in Tampa Bay, even though Tampa may put, may put the tag on Winfield, deservingly so. But there's going to be teams that's going to offer Baker Mayfield a big contract. I'm already hearing that like the Atlanta Falcons are 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 going to be the one they're in the quarterback business. You know, they're going to have a new coach. Who knows? Could be Belichick, could be Harbaugh. Who knows? I just think, again, unless Tampa tanks early, um, I think they have a chance to keep this game close. I, I think Detroit wins. But does the glass slipper come off of Detroit? You know, this is a team that hasn't been in the playoffs since I was in high school, right? 1993? I was a senior. You know, Man, I, I, they I had was no- singing Millie yeah. Vanilli back in the day. This team uh, is the one that's I'm, indoors. I'm the most worried about just yeah. from um from Detroit getting up reading their own headlines. Well, that that's the thing too. It's that it was such a big deal for just the one game, right? For just one playoff game. Right. And now right. you got it's almost like you won the Super Bowl, but that was just one game. Yeah. And yeah. now you got to come now, back the I, next week and do it. I just saw the Lakers have to deal with this crap with that in-season tournament. You know, like they got sure, sure. that tournament and won, and then the next few games they were just in a lull. Um, Lethargic, and, and sure. You wonder because you throw the Stafford stuff into it too. It's like you beat your ex, you put your ex out, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that was how you, yeah. you cross you – like you, you're able to exercise all those demons, and now you got a Tampa team that you're actually a bigger favorite against than you were last week, right? On paper, this is probably even a an easier game for you than what last week might have been. Sure, but I agree. Sure. I think the weaknesses that the Lions have are in that secondary, and Baker's going to be able to hit Mike Evans and Godwin, and he's going to be able to hit Otten, yeah. and that's where they're going to be able to move the ball here. So even if you're down 10, 13, 14 points. You can backdoor it. Backdoor, you can backdoor it with, with one seven. score. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So I yeah. agree with and, you. And that's, that, that's a direction. Yeah. That's a direction I would go in. I could see Baltimore running Houston out of town um, or I could see it just it, it being close. I mean, CJ Stroud's a different animal. You know, D'Amico Ryan's is a, a different animal. I you know, look, Green Bay just went in and did it pretty easily against the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that's we know how Dallas is at home. Weren't they undefeated at home this year and just blew everyone it's out? 16, they won the 16 playoffs. in a row at home. That was a – so, I, I, what mean, the I know Packers it's the 49ers. Did. Yeah, yeah. That was – I know it's the 49ers, Gino, but, again, some of these teams haven't played in a couple of weeks. Baltimore hasn't played their starters in three weeks. I, again, if you're the Buffalo Bills and you can't beat Patrick Mahomes with Kelsey not being able to catch a pass because he's dating Taylor Swift, if Buffalo can't beat Kansas City this weekend, I, it, it's time to ride Buffalo off for a while. I, I mean, but, hey, they've been a different animal since our head coach said they're training like uh, – uh, who did he say that? Like the Jihad oh, over there? Something? And, oh, my God. That was like <laughs> – what the hell? Been, what, it's like, what? They've done the opposite. And you know what? In Detroit, I was impressed with Detroit the way they could have folded after Dallas and the officials took that game from them in Dallas. And they didn't. And they didn't fold. So I think it's four good games. I've been playing a lot of basketball. Um, I, I, I think it's just a, a good weekend. Uh, two games on Saturday, two on Sunday. It, it's just a, a sports better's dream. But the one I'm really, really focusing in on, I think Mike Evans has a big day. He didn't have a big day last week. No, he, he had a couple drops, too. Easy against the Eagles. He has some drops. So I think he comes in clutch. I think they cover the six and a half to seven. 
Um, I, I just hope we have some really, really good games because last week we what we had four blowouts. So yeah, um, hey, it's hard to believe Texans, what we're we're two games away from the Super Bowl. And after the Texans game, not one of the games had a scoring change. Whoever scored, no, that was no. it. They just got up and they that cruised and they coasted. Let's see if Baker Mayfield can cook something up this weekend. Cook it up, Baker. <laughs> cook it up, buddy. Coop Loop, love you, brother. We'll be following you at yeah, Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again this week, Chad. And next week, Royal Rumble Royal Roundtable. Royal Rumble, baby. Yes, so, sir. Uh, folks, stay tuned. There's a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said, and we're looking forward to getting all set for the Royal Rumble next week. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A big thank you to Eric for talking some NFL divisional round with us. Thank you to Barry Spears, the sniper, for talking some fairgrounds with us. And to Chad Cooper for everything going on in the world of wrestling with this week in wrestling. Good luck in that coast-to-coast pick five. Good luck if you're playing in any of those express bet contests. Big thank you to Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, for sponsoring this episode. That's what she said podcast. We will be back next week. We'll have some recaps of What If, the new Marvel MCU uh, series on Disney Plus with Tim Kelly. We'll also have a big preview of everything on Pegasus Day card over at Gulfstream Park and we'll have more on the NFL. We'll be down to the conference championship games. Really looking forward to the next few weeks in the world of sports and pop culture. We'll be back very soon here on That's What G Said.